1: Up, folks, It's Rich, My Take Radio, episode 80 for Thursday, February 24th, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II, Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other intro music that we've previously used at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, dot O-R-G. The caller number is 347-324-3541. Again, that caller number is 347 347- 3, 2, 4, 3, five four one. All right, a lot of housekeeping to discuss. A lot of things have happened in the past week. Uh, first off, of course, there's been a lot of great posts put up this past week on mtr.com. Uh, great posts from Handle, uh, aka Slick, for those of you that know him by his government name. Um, also, a post from Josh regarding the recently uh, the recent tablet wars that have been starting with some of the uh, with the iPad, the Motorola the Zoom, Um, Of course, there's a new iPad coming out next Thursday, allegedly, so there's going to be much to discuss in regards to that during next week's episode. In addition to that, we also got an article from Bronx who shares his thoughts on the new direction with Venom. That should be up later on this evening after the show. And um, just check it out. Head over to MyTakeRadio.com. There's a few other articles that I may have missed. For those of you that wrote them, I apologize. I will... uh, Try and keep better notes in regards to articles in the future. Our forums, as usual, are in full effect. Stop by them, mytakeradio.com slash forums. A lot of great conversation going on. Slick has been uh, putting some stuff regarding some Marvel statues that were released, um, in particular one from Emma Frost that looks really nice from a, a Japanese company. Uh, it's an anime-style Emma Frost, and there's a lot of conversation going on in regards to that. I recommend you guys stop by the forum if you haven't. Uh, you can do live chat when you're in there uh, without even joining the forum, just clicking the chat tab. In addition to that, you can interact with all the other listeners on the My Take Radio forums as well. Our Facebook fan page is almost at 700 fans. Definitely want to extend a warm welcome to our new fans. We're almost at 700 fans. My goal now is 1,000 fans sooner as opposed to later. So if you haven't told your friends or those closest to you that enjoy some of the things we cover about My Take Radio, you definitely should do that, so that way we can continue to grow and provide you guys with great entertainment every week. Um, Of course, i got to throw a shout-out to our content partners this week in wrestling podcast and MMA Valor, who actually, you know, besides being sponsored by USA Today, the USA Today-sponsored MMA blog has been incredibly supportive in regards to all the stuff we're trying to do. Um, We actually shared a piece regarding Supremacy MMA, which I discussed a couple of weeks back and also wrote an article for MyTakeRadio.com, which led to me actually con- contacting their publishing company for the game and inviting them on the show to discuss uh, my thoughts on the game and you know just the uncomfortableness in terms of their presentation of the sport. They actually responded and agreed to come on the show, so definitely... Keep an eye out in the coming weeks for Kung Fu Factory to stop through uh, to discuss Supremacy MMA and their intentions on uh, the newest entrant into, into MMA, the newest uh, MMA video game entering into the marketplace. I think that they can um, enlighten us on why they're going in the direction they're going. And I felt that automatically dismissing the game as something bad would have would have been a poor, poorly done on my part so I decided to extend the invitation to them and I really look forward to speaking to them in the coming weeks. Of course the MTR app you can pick it up on iTunes head over to iTunes and punch up My Take Radio and you can get our app for $1.99. If you're on iTunes also take a moment and review our show help us move up through the ranking uh, for gaming and entertainment. Uh, and any ratings you give us of course help us place better and help the show get more listeners. So take a second, rate it, share your thoughts on it, good, bad, or otherwise, and help us move along. Regarding our T-shirts, if you've been by the MTR T-shirt store lately, you will realize that it is empty. Uh, One of the reasons why it is empty is because I am tweaking all the designs and working on new ones, so I figured I would just take it down for the time being, and they should be up within the next few days. Hopefully by next week, there will be new designs just the same ones that have been there, just more cleaned up, and the background's a little bit better. Um, Nisi, who has been a great help before, uh, lent her expertise to cleaning up our logo, so definitely a big thanks to Nisi for doing what she did. And um, those shirts will be live next week. And the Shorty Awards are still going on, so if you are on Twitter, take a moment, head over to ShortyAwards.com, and nominate My Take Radio and Gaming or Entertainment. Uh, given the competition that I've seen uh, for both of those categories, I think we would fit in very well. Every vote counts. So if you are on Twitter, definitely head over to the shortyawards.com and nominate My Take Radio in gaming or entertainment. Our guest this evening will be Shad Gaspard, one half of, well, the former uh, member of Crime Time, a WWE tag team, and he will be stopping through to discuss all his new projects including something I found out recently, which I'm going to be asking him about, the possibility of him playing Chapel in the Brett Ratner adaptation of Youngblood. So definitely want to ask him about that. I also want to ask what he's been doing in regards to wrestling. I mean, I know that he's signed for IGF in Japan. I want to know where he's at with that, and he should be calling us by 1130. I believe Slick will be hitting him up. We'll see how that goes. Either way, he has our contact information also, so he should be on roughly around 11:30. A couple of things to discuss this week: Monday Night Raw, of course, John Cena's answer to The Rock's promo from last week. I want to get into that. I want to talk a little MMA. A couple of things that jumped out this week that got my attention: our video game news and our movie news. But you know what? Let's uh, get into it first with some MMA news right off the bat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, a couple of things going on in the world of mixed martial arts this week. First off, for those of you that wondered what happened to Bobby Lashley after his loss uh, to Chad Griggs, Wonder no more, it seems that Bobby Lashley has signed up with Titan Fighting Championships and he will be facing James Jack in the main event for Titan Fighting Championships 17, which will be taking place March 25th at the historic Memorial Hall in Kansas City, Kansas. Titan Fighting CEO Joe Kelly had the following to say about the event. We received an overwhelming amount of positive feedback from the MMA community following our HDNet debut debut on January 28th. A lot of unique opportunities have presented themselves to Titans since the show, and working with Bobby Lashley was one of them. We are really excited to be working with Bobby as he continues his pursuit of MMA greatness. First off, I'm I'm very happy that that Bobby Lashley signed with another MMA promotion. I'm a little um, shocked that he didn't re-sign with Strikeforce. I think a rematch with Chad Griggs, especially after what happened, would have been the most beneficial thing for, for Bobby's career, especially to avenge that loss, you know currently he's five and one, and I felt that that loss he did get caught, and many people felt he quit in that fight and by going to another promotion, i don 't know if it was a, an issue with sign resigning with Strike force or if it was a money issue, but I think that Bobby Lashley should have definitely stayed in strike force. he had a great future there with some of the heavyweights in that you know in strike force, and not not only that. But the, the wealth of competition in strike force, especially in the heavyweight division, is so deep that it would allow him to test himself as a fighter and improve. Right now, it, it almost seems, and I, I'm, again, totally my opinion, it almost seems like he tried, he tried the big game, he failed, and he said, let me go to something smaller. Now, I don't know if this is going to lead to him face, you know, facing tomato cans to pad his record or if it's just going to be more of a learning curve before he makes it back into strike force or possibly the UFC. But I don't know. I'm, just, I'm not totally sold on him signing with another organization. Not, not to take anything away from Titan Fighting Championships. I did see their card on HDNet uh, on January 28th. And, again, uh, a great upcoming promotion, but he just seems to have unresolved business in Strikeforce. But for now, Titan Fighting Championships will be his home. Next, Brock Lesnar. Of course, next month we will be having the return of the Ultimate Fighter with Brock Lesnar and Junior Dos Santos. But in addition to that, Brock Lesnar will be releasing an autobiography called Death Clutch, My Story of Determination, Domination, and Survival. That book will be released May 24th, and the book was co-written with Paul Heyman. It covers Brock Lesnar's professional career uh, from collegiate wrestling to WWE to the UFC. I'm actually looking forward to this book, regardless of my personal issues regarding Brock Lesnar. I mean, like I said, I've met him. He's a douchebag, and I've attributed that to either him having a really shitty day or just him being an asshole. But I'm interested in reading the story just because his story is so unique, and especially I I really would like to read about the situation with the diverticulitis scare. Uh, One of the things that really got my attention... Regarding that was the fact that his diet was so was was so dramatically different than what it is now, and how it affected him physically. Um, I'm definitely curious to see what went on during that time period, how he handled the fact that he was basically bleeding out on the inside, and you know, with stomach bile eating up most of his intestines. Yeah, it it was a really scary time for him, and the, the comeback trail has been a little bumpy. I mean, he came back. He got tested against Shane Carwin and then suffered a loss to Junior Dos Santos, which we know uh, leads to the beautiful gash right under Brock Lesnar's right eye, which many of you have seen in recent photos that haven't quite healed up yet. Nonetheless, I'm curious also to see uh, him working with Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman worked with Brock Lesnar a lot in the WWE days, and I really would like to see how Brock Lesnar's story translates to print, how many things we haven't seen him share with the audience it's, it's interesting for sure. I think the book is going to be a solid read. I, I mean, I've read a lot of WWE books. I'm, I'm reading Forrest Griffin's second book. And, I, and a lot of times I like getting more insight into the fighters than what you see on TV because there's usually a lot more layers, especially with a guy like Brock Lesnar who's severely, severely private and, and borderline antisocial. And watching him in The Ultimate Fighter is also going to be a very unique social experiment, considering that you're going to have a camera on this guy 12 hours out of the day or possibly more. And we're going to see if he's going to be a completely different individual or if he's just going to continue being the typical antisocial self that we know and love. So you can pick up that book in, in May on the 24th, and it should run you about $26. Dana White's been, of course, doing a lot of press this week leading up to UFC 127. Uh, He was recently quoted regarding George Sotaropoulos and the possibility of George getting a title shot. Dana White said that if he can win and pull this fight out, he's in line for a title shot. There's no doubt about it. When asked about Sotaropoulos as a fighter, he said this kid has been on a tear. He's so incredibly exciting to watch. You know a lot of people talk about stand-up wars. Well, I love jujitsu wars, too, and this guy has been in a ton of them. He's very exciting, very fun to watch, and incredibly talented. And if he wins, he is on his way. When asked about The Ultimate Fighter finding good fighters for the company, Dana White said the following, you know, we created tough to find the new up-and-coming talent guys who hopefully can become world champions someday. You never know when you're there watching them on the show, but you only hope. You know, I have to agree, George Sotteropoulos came out of nowhere from The Ultimate Fighter, and he's just a, a phenomenal fighter to watch. His jiu-jitsu skills are are no joke, and um, I definitely see him getting a lightweight title opportunity in the near future for sure. I think that um, I don't know against a guy like Frankie Edgar at this point if Frankie Edgar fought George Sotteropoulos, and it's it's terrible of me to say I kind of feel Sotteropoulos could take it if it went to the ground, but stranger things have happened. We we learned that with the last Frankie Edgar-Gray Maynard fight that you can't write Frankie Edgar off that easily. So... George Sauteropoulos in title contention is is a good thing. Definitely going to be keeping an eye on that in the future. UFC 130 is taking shape, and the co-main event, which everybody thought was going to be Rampage and Rashad Evans, was changed to Matt Hamill versus Rampage. I am uh, not too sold on that for a few reasons. I think, I think Matt Hamill is a really good fighter. He's a lovable guy, and for... A guy like Rampage, you need that trash-talking to really help get things over, and I don't think trash-talking Matt Hamill um, is going to do any good for for a multitude of reasons. On the flip side, though, if the fight goes to the ground, we're going to see if Matt Hamill can really hang with some of the top-tier light heavyweight contenders. I think a a victory against Rampage definitely would put him in title contention, um, at least with one more fight leading to a title shot or possibly a title shot right after this fight. Matt Hamill also has been on a tear lately and a test against Rampage is, is, is going to be interesting to watch. I just feel that that fight as a co-main event is not, I don't know. It just doesn't sell me. I almost feel like that should be a main event for, for an ultimate fight night or for a, for a TV card on versus. I, I just feel that as a co-main event on pay-per-view, it just doesn't grab me because it just doesn't seem exciting on paper. It of course, we've been proven wrong a dozen times, but I just don't feel comfortable with that. Uh, UFC 130 also has Thiago Alves and Rick Story, which is official now. I'm looking forward to that fight. And also Frank Mir and Roy Nelson are going to be on that card, which I really want to see. Um, both guys, great uh, jiu-jitsu practitioners. Both guys, a victory by either one of them can also put them into some title contention. I think that you know, Brock Lesnar and... Junior Dos Santos, of course, the winner meeting Cain Velasquez, I feel that the winner of that fight should meet the winner of Frank Muir and Roy Nelson. I can't even pick, honestly, a winner for this fight because both guys are, are great on the stand-up and, and also great on the ground. I feel Roy Nelson has, has good KO power. Frank Muir also has solid stand-up. I, if Roy Nelson beats Frank Mir and gets uh, a title shot, It'll be really interesting to see if Roy Nelson can, you know, fulfill his destiny and become a UFC champion um, by defeating Frank Mir and in turn defeating uh, whoever wins in Kane Velasquez and either Junior Dos Santos or Brock Lesnar. I think a fight with Roy Nelson and Brock Lesnar, for instance, would be very exciting just because Brock Lesnar is going to try his best to bully Roy Nelson around. Roy Nelson is going to try and lead him into the ground and use his really great submission game for a fight like that. With Junior Dos Santos, though, I definitely would see it more of a, of a stand-up war, which is always exciting to watch either way. So UFC 130 is going to happen May 28th. And um, also some rumored fights on that card are going to be Jorge Santiago and Brian Stan, and also Brad Pickett and Miguel Torres and Travis Brown and Stefan Struve. So UFC 130 is routing itself out to be quite a solid card. UFC on Versus also has been finalized with Martin Kempman and Diego Sanchez as your main event. C.B. Dalloway and Mark Munoz, Alessio Sakara and Chris Weidman. you got Brian Bowles and Damasio Page, all great cards. That's going to be March 3rd um, on Versus. On the prelims, you got a couple of great fights on there as well with uh, Ruben Duran and Takeya Mizugaki. you got Dave Branch and Rusamal Palhares, which I definitely want to see, and uh, Cyril Diabati and Steve Cantwell and also Danny Castillo and Joe Stevenson are going to be fights to watch on the versus card. Something that really depressed me this week was reading something that I knew was bound to happen, and guess what that is? Tito Ortiz getting injured yet again. Uh, Tito Ortiz suffered an injury that would require stitches and had to withdraw from his fight with Antonio Angerio Noguera on uh, UFC Fight Night 24. With Tito out of the fight, he is being replaced by Phil Davis, who is going to be stepping up to fight Antonio Rogerio Noguera in the main event. Uh, the co-main event for that card is going to be Dan Hardy versus Anthony Rumble Johnson. That, that fight is going to be fight of the night for sure. Um, Dwayne Van Ludwig is on that card against Amir Sadala. And you have the rematch of Leonard Garcia and Nam Fan. A little bummed out that Tito got injured yet again. And, um, you know, a lot of people were, "Oh, you know fucking Tito, blah blah blah, he got injured, he needed stitches, but it's really it's really becoming old hat with fucking Tito always getting hurt, and it's always some bullshit and and he has to withdraw from a card. I actually was very excited to see a fight against little Nog, especially because Tito's career hung in the balance of that fight because had he lost, he'd be out, which is terrible, but uh shit sucks um. Preliminary fights on that are going to be Alex Casares and Macken Semizer, which I want to see. Uh, Bruce Leroy in action is, is always going to be exciting. John Madsen and Mike Russo. You got John Hathaway and Chris McCray, which I'm shocked is not going to be televised. That's a solid fight right there. Sean McCorkle and Christian Moorcraft, I also would like to see. And um, Mario Miranda and Aaron Simpson. I'm surprised all of these are listed as unaired fights. I really hope at least Caceres and Semizer, Madsen and Russo, and Hathaway and McCray make it on the card somehow, because those are going to be great fights to watch also. The countdown for UFC 128 is going to debut March 15th at 11 p.m. Um, There's also going to be a replay March 17th at 3 o'clock, and UFC 128 is going to be taking place March 19th in Newark, New Jersey. Of course, the main event is going to be Shogun against John Bones Jones for the light heavyweight title. And then you got Uriah Faber and Eddie Wineland. In your co-main event slot, Jim Miller and Kamal Shalaroos. Um, also on that card, and Akayama and Nate Marquardt. Miracle Crowcraft and be- and Brendan Schaub round out your pay-per-view portion of the card. On the prelims on Spike, you got Luis Kane and Elliot Marshall and Edson Barbosa versus Anthony Njokwadi. So all solid fights. UFC 128, I'm definitely going to order. I think um, Shogun, Shogun's going to be the guy that's really going to test Jon Jones. I mean, a lot of people said that Bader also was a test for for John Jones, but we see how that went. I think Shogun and Jones is going to be a stand-up war. Those guys are going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of Muay Thai thrown around, a lot of elbows, a lot of knees. Um, if John Jones wins, it's going to be, you know, a, a meteoric rise for, for a guy who's very talented and very exciting to watch. Shogun winning, of course, is, you know, it's going to solidify the dominance of Shogun as a light heavyweight. Overall, just an exciting fight from start to finish. Uriah Faber also on the card is just as exciting to watch. Uriah Faber is a great fighter uh, coming over from the WEC, so I'm always looking forward to see him fight. And um, another sleeper is, is the Crocop and uh, Brendan Schaub fight. That's a fight that has the potential to go either way. Brendan Schaub has has, has dynamite in his fucking hands. He can he can shatter a jaw real quick. And Crocop, you know, you can't write him off. You can't. Every time you try to write him off, he comes back and he hurt somebody's feelings. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And, of course, 128 is going to be March 19th. This weekend, of course, is UFC 127. Your main event is BJ Penn versus John Fitch. Your co-main event is Michael Bisping versus Jorge Rivera. A lot of bad blood there, um, especially during the media day. These two guys really dislike each other, and it, it's, it's going to be Fireworks. George Sotaropoulos and Dennis Sieber, of course, are on that card. Chris Lionel and Brian Ebersole and Kyle Noak and Chris Camozzi are on your pay-per-view portion. On your Facebook portion of the card, that's right, we're going to be broadcasting fights on Facebook. Anthony Parosh is going to fight Tom Blackledge, and uh, Zhang Ti-Kwan is going to fight Jason Reinhardt. The preliminaries are going to air on ION television, and that's going to be Ross Pearson versus Spencer Fisher, which I actually am very excited to see. And James Tahuna versus Alexander Gustafson are also going to be on the prelims. Untelevised fights are going to be Nick Rain versus M- Ricky Fakuda, which I'm surprised wasn't going to be televised, and Mark Hunt and Chris Tuk-Sher. Um I can't even say this guy's name. It's, it's, it looks like he's Polish, and I'm not going to mess it up, um, but he's fighting Kurt Warburton. You can actually check out a Fight Picks article from MMA Valor on MyTakeRadio.com with his Fight Picks. Uh, if you agree or disagree, by all means, feel free to say, uh, feel free to share your comments in the comment box, of course. One, one particular bit of news I'm excited for was uh, Bellator announced via press release that they had signed Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt Marlon Sandro. Um, he will be the featherweight, will not be part of the Season 4 featherweight tournament, but he's going to be a guy that will be competing for Bellator in the near future. Bjorn Redney said the following, Marlon Sandro is a phenomenal talent at 145. Our featherweight division is absolutely stacked and Sandro pushes the talent pool to an even higher level. I'm thrilled to have him on board. I'm very excited. Marlon Sandro, if you haven't seen him fight, you definitely should do yourselves a favor and check him out on YouTube. He is a beast. Uh, his, his KO skills, he, his last fight he finished, he finished the guy with a KO via uppercut. Um, it, was, it was vicious, vicious. And adding him into the stacked featherweight division in Bellator, is going to be interesting for sure, and who knows, we may see Marlon Sandro in the UFC in the future. In some other Bellator news, they have finalized Bellator number 35. That's going to be taking place March 5th at the Tachi Palace Hotel and Casino in Limmore, California. Uh, the main event is going to be Lyman Good versus Chris Lozano. Uh, Chris Lozano was actually on MMA Gospel uh, last night, as a matter of fact. You can check their show out at blogtalkradio.com MMA or you can also check out further information at mmagospel.com. Chris uh, Lozano Chris Lozano's a real cool ass dude. Looking forward to see him fight Lyman Good. It's going to be a badass fight. Also on that card, you got Dan Hornbuckle and Brent Weedman. Uh, that's a welterweight tournament quarterfinal. As is the fight with Good and Lozano. Jay Haran is going to be fighting Anthony. Lastly, in the welterweight tournament quarterfinal, also as is Rick Horn and Jim Wallhead. Those are all welterweight welterweight, excuse me, tournament quarterfinals. On the preliminary cards, you're going to have Zoila Frosto. She's going to be fighting Carilla. Karina Hollinan in a non-title fight. You got Jamie Jar. He's going to be fighting Joaquin Spirit Wolf. Uh, Brent, Brandon Bender, wow, is uh, going to be fighting Josh Herrick. And Jesus Castro is going to be fighting Paul Ruiz. Um, a couple of things. If you're wondering why I'm a stumbling, bumbling mess, it's for three reasons. Um, I made the fatal mistake of drinking two Monster Energy drinks, which I shouldn't have done. And I am also testing out new hardware, I am using a, a Blue Microphone Yeti Pro Series, so I am hoping that the show sounds crisp and, crystal clear, um, nonetheless, if you guys notice any hiccups or anything with the sound, definitely let me know, um, it's a new piece of hardware from the missus, uh, consider it an early anniversary gift. Three reasons why I wanted to get this mic, which, you know, I'm segueing a little bit, but that was our last MMA news story is because I will be adding a mixer to the show so I can start including more sound and more effects in future broadcasts. So you should be keeping an eye on that in the near future. It's going to be a a huge change to the sound of My Take Radio in the near future, and I'm very excited for it. I'm going to take a quick commercial break. When I come back, we're going to talk some wrestling or we'll be talking to Shad Gaspard Whichever comes first Right after this
0: You know those shows where they play video game music And they laugh in like really high voices Like
2: <laughs>
0: Well you won't listen to that on our show Cause uh We don't have the budget for that kind of thing We're broke as hell And uh, Nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard So um If you're really looking for a show like that That has horrible audio quality And uh Void of fake laughter. Video game news radio. 11 p.m. Tuesday nights. On all games. Yes, sir. We promised you a great main event here tonight. Look it out here, Andre! The giant radio. Everyone has a price.
1: All right, let's talk some wrestling. Um, I'm going to go through Monday Night Raw until Shad um, is confirmed to be on the line, and once he calls in, we will jump right into that. Um, of course, Monday Night Raw this week was had a lot of buzz surrounding it for a couple of reasons. Of course, the whole big 221 promo was coming to an end, which, of course, I'll discuss the big reveal. Um, in addition to that, the everybody wanted to know, was John Cena going to respond to The Rock? pretty much destroying him the previous week. So a lot of buzz going into Raw this week. They, had the, they definitely had the rating to show for it. So solid from start to finish. Anyway, of course, we open up the show with John Cena. And um, needless to say, here's the promo that he cut. Check it out.
0: I think we have to answer The Rock. I think we have to send a message because if I don't, I won't be able to focus on WrestleMania. I won't be able to focus on Miz. If I don't end this tonight, then all I will hear about is Rocky. Rocky. So I'm going to do this once. It's a one-time deal for y'all here tonight. I should probably make sure I still got it. <clears throat> Hold on one second. <clears throat> yo, yo, yo. No, that's all right. Yo.
2: <clears throat>
0: <clears throat> yo. All right, I got my Fresno state of mind. I'm ready to do this. Let me get my chain out for a second. Finally, The Rock came back and everyone was getting with it. Talese said I was talking trash, but he would never be specific. Because I wasn't talking trash, Rock, I was talking truth. You left us hanging high and dry to play a fairy with a tooth? And, and then you walk into this ring and tell these people that I'm lame, man? He wore lipstick and get shorty and rocked a skirt for the game plan. This fruity pebble that you're dealing with? I'm not your average jabroni. I'm like a big purple pinwheel rock, so go ahead and blow me. <laughs> And you're electrifying, yes! But hang with me, that's just absurd. See, now you gotta tell your family you just got schooled by Barney's turd. <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. That's your material. You can have your joke back. Just don't go racing a witch mountain rock because your mountain is broke back. <laughs> oh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. The Rock's new movie? Well, it's nothing like walking tall. He spends the movie in a bowling alley, polishing my balls. The people's champ. He's never with the people. Rock, your words are see-through. You imitate me every time you leave. For seven years, we couldn't see you. And and and, and is it Rock... Or is it Dwayne? Pick a side, come on son. If I was you, I'd stick with Rock because Dwayne ain't got a John, son. And you'll see me at WrestleMania? Well then I'll make sure not to miss it. But you ain't going to whip my candy ass, dude. I'll make sure you kiss it. You're the WrestleMania host, Rock. That's your role know it. You tell these people that you love them. I'm here every week to show it. That's called a first round knockout. And now you know that I'm not playing. Run your mouth all you want, dude. It doesn't matter what you're saying.
1: All right. Well, a couple of things. That promo was very powerful for a couple of reasons. John Cena had to go back to the, to, to the cobwebs and dig out the freestyling Cena gimmick, which to me is, is the more apropos gimmick for his character. I feel that his whole, you know, bullshit, I'm going to salute, even though I've never been in the armed forces kind of shit just doesn't work for me. I honestly think that in terms of buzz and building up WrestleMania, those are the kind of promos we need to see from him. You can't go and use your, your PG-rated clowning, especially when The Rock came out, there guns blazing the week prior. I was very impressed with the promo. I felt that it was good. It wasn't over the top. It wasn't seen scre- a screaming like he usually does, carrying on. Nope. It was solid, it was to the point, and it was in your face. I think that both both guys got styles that, while they are very different, will mesh well leading closer to WrestleMania. As of right now, it seems that The Rock is probably going to appear one more time on Raw and then proceed onwards to WrestleMania, at which point there will be some sort of an exchange, whether it's physicality or something like that. The other thing is that they want to definitely do a small feud and simmer it along till next year's WrestleMania for some reason, which is supposed to be in Miami, Florida, which, of course, Florida is home of The Rock. So to do something like that would be, would be great, especially if you do it subtle. I feel that having The Rock on every week, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, The Rock should be on every week, and he should be out there finishing Cena every week and hitting rock bottom. Nope, you don't want to do that because what happens is it won't be special. The Rock's return, his involvement, is special. You really don't need, um, you really don't need to do anything crazier than have him, on, have him on at most twice. That's all you need, twice. Because anything other than that is just going to water down uh, The Rock's involvement. It's going to look really shitty, and it's going to look like desperation. Which leads us to the rest of the Raw broadcast, which, again, was solid. John Morrison and CM Punk. Uh, was a solid opener, especially considering that CM Punk, you know, he sprayed stuff in John Morrison's eyes leading up to the Elimination Chamber, which I will discuss. Um, great match, which I felt didn't get enough time. These guys have a lot of history from ECW, and I really think that um, you can go into that a little further. But unfortunately, they just did a really quick match to open things up, and I have just been informed that Chad is on the line, so I am going to bring him in. Chad, what's going on?
3: I'm good, man. How you feeling, man?
1: I'm good, man. What's going on with you?
3: Uh, you know, just living a life, you know, enjoying it. <laughs> I,
1: he- I hear you, man. Thanks. I appreciate you uh, coming on. You know, I- I've uh, been back and forth with uh, your manager. My fiance's mostly been doing the back and forth, and we were really excited to have you on, especially – because you're working on so many projects.
3: Ah, uh, yeah, man. It's uh, you know it's, it's, it's kind of weird because uh, you know I thought Once I left WWE that uh, things would kind of slow down, but it's literally being the total opposite. You know, apparently the more I do, the more people want to start using me for a lot of different things. So it's 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 a good it's a good it's a good feeling to have to not you know have free time. You know.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, do you feel do you feel that since you know, since being on your own, so to speak, away from from you know the WWE umbrella, that you've allowed yourself to expand creatively, do you feel now that you got more creative juices than when you were a member of the roster?
3: Uh, it's kind of hard to say because when I was a part of the roster, I always was creative. Um, I've actually seen several ideas that I pitched to the writers use on TV for other wrestlers, you know, and it was it was always funny to me how you know that would happen because. Um, my ideas would always find, you know, somebody else's ear, and they'd tell me because they know that I would have told them about it, and then somebody else would take credit for an idea that I came up with. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, it's, 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 it's all right. I mean, right now I feel like I have, a lot, I have like, a lot of freedom. I can chill. Um, I love WWE. I love the company. Uh, but, you know, it's just one part of my life that I might revisit, I might not revisit, so...
1: Well you know it's funny because when you were when you were there and you know just watching your your growth from ovw and and coming in and you know partnering with um, jtg and just the overall growth of the character with crime time, I knew that there was more to you guys than just the hood gimmick I mean, the hood gimmick was cool, especially me being from New York as well, and, and you know you guys threw out a lot of real subtle stuff for, for the New yorkers and you guys kept it real, as real as you could with your promos, but I knew that there was always more to you guys than that. You guys were were working with what you were given, so it's really good to see you branching out into other stuff.
3: I well, think, I mean, you know... Oh, go ahead, man. No, no, I was going to say, I was going to say, well, I mean, you know, it's, uh, that's just the way life is, you know what I'm saying? Um, I mean, the Crime Time idea was, uh, was uh, originally my idea, and then, you know, Jay added to it, and then we kind of flipped it and machiavelli it into what it was. Um, a lot of things that were given to us, we made better, you know, so that it wouldn't come, off, come across, uh, you know, too, you know, messed up. You know what I'm saying? But overall, it was just us having fun.
1: Yeah, you guys look like you were having a great time out there. I mean, you know, some of, some of the stuff I remember, um, you know, like the Muhammad Hassan gimmick. With Davari, when when you guys took the turban and threw it into the crowd, you know stuff like that was real. It, it was it was funny and it was good in a, in a in a like a in a Friday sort of way. Just you, you guys were, were out there really enjoying yourselves, and I know after you know you guys left for a bit and came back, and you know you, you had your your feud with Kate and Murdoch. That it was almost like they they ran out of stuff to do with you guys, which which was disheartening only because you guys had so many more layers than just, you know, playing the the, the quote-unquote stereotypical black duo. You know what I'm saying?
3: Well, that's, the, you know, that's, that's, that's one of the things in society and in professional wrestling that, you know, sometimes happens, is that you get uh, pigeon-toed or typecasted into a certain scenario, and people see you as one thing, you know what I'm saying? And it was kind of one of those things where... Uh, some people saw us as just being a gimmick, and others saw us being, you know I'm saying, more than that. They, you know, they said that we were really popular, that fans liked us, even though we didn't have the titles, and that we could draw money. But at the same time, there was a, another side of people who saw and said, oh, these guys are like the Bushwhackers. They're just a gimmick, you know what I'm saying? Which, you know, if we, if we wrestle too much, then we spoiled the gimmick. If we didn't wrestle enough, then, you know, we weren't taken serious. So it was, kind of, it was really hard for us to really, you know, figure out what we were going to do.
1: Would, did you feel that at, that at the time when you guys were, were, were doing that, that you, you guys were going to turn the corner and go from a, from a, from a more from comical to a more serious tag team? Did, did you guys ever see that? I mean, did you in particular see that coming? I know when you branched off and went solo in your feud with JTG, they really gave you a hard edge which I'm surprised they didn't try and do overall when you guys were a tag team unit.
3: Well, I mean, we tried, like, there do, were do times that we tried to do that, and we tried to, like, uh, walk away from the comedy side of our rest, of our wrestling. And uh, for some reason or another, the, the creative people in power kept on pulling us back to that side. You know, when we tried, started the CTC thing with John Cena, we weren't really trying to be comedic at all. You know what I'm saying? It's like we did a couple of things, like we did a like JBL car, JBL's car, that wasn't comedic. that was more entertaining, you know what I'm saying? So we were, we were trying to pull away from it, but the more we pulled, you know, the more people pushed us to be like, no, 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 we want to see you guys are entertaining, you guys are actually funny, you can talk and you can make people smile, we want to see more of that, rather than just letting us, you know, naturally become, you know, more wrestlers than just entertainers.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you know, you you can still be funny and give a good ass whooping. You know, there's no there's no yeah, harm exactly. in that. I think I think that 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 was when you guys were doing the CTC. I almost felt like like that could have grown into something so much bigger because you know at that point, Cena himself hadn't even gone into the whole PG thing. He still had a little bit of that street edge, and you needed that especially if you were if they were playing up that you guys were you know quote unquote from the hood. It's like the hood isn't, a, isn't fun and games. You know that yeah. being from New York, just like, just like I do, you know? You can, you can be out there hanging out, and the block can get hot, and a whole bunch of people can get shot real quick over nothing. So the fact that it was always relegated to comedy bothered me just because I'm like, there's more, there's more to these guys than, than just that, than just jokes. There, 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 there's, you know, there, there's real street stuff you can go into, which, you know, unfortunately you didn't get the opportunity, but... It, it was there, man, and, and you know I was bummed when when it kind of they went the other way and split you guys up. And then when you were going solo, they really gave you the hard edge. But then it was like, an you know, "All right, here he is," and then they, they yanked you off real quick, and the buzz died down.
3: Well, you know what I'm saying? It's like it's really true you said it because like I actually had a conversation with uh, Jerry Lawler, and we had this conversation, and we were talking about the the way the the business was, was perceived. Uh, it's a long this is a, this is many many months ago. You know what I'm saying? And it was one of those things where it's like everything is life and death lately. Where everything, every scenario is this is the biggest match of the year. This is the biggest thing of the year. This is, you know, Cena versus this guy for the eighth time, the biggest time of the year. It's the, Cena has to win the championship this time, or else, you know, everything was seen as being so life and death to where sometimes it's unrelatable. You know what I'm saying? To like, you no, just said, I Something, so, sometimes things, not just hood, sometimes things are just, you know, if you take the word hood out and you put the word, and you replace it with the word real, it's the same difference. Sometimes, you know, real aspects, like, you know, somebody trying to, you know, F my girl, and I don't like that. I don't care about a title. I don't care about a belt. I care about beating right. this guy's ass because he's trying to sex my girl. You know what I'm saying? Or in or another, another sense is, somebody cheating me out of something that I earned and I deserve and me wanting to get revenge back with them. Not because if I get revenge, I'm the number one contender. No, because I want revenge because I don't like you, you know? Yep. Or like I simple agree. things. Like I remember I remember Taz had a match in ECW against Shane Douglas. And mm-hmm. I, I, I thought it was so awesome that Taz put on the line, not a belt, not a title, you know what I'm saying, not a stupid stipulation, no, he said, I'm going to put up my paycheck, you know what I'm saying, to not work, to not put food on the table for my family. Because That's on the right. real, every man in the audience, every man watching TV, can understand being told you can't work to provide for your family. That's
1: you know? right. I have that DVD. That DVD was
3: legendary. Yeah, and, like, I, I brought things up like this to people in creative and, you know, guys in uh, creative, and I was like, you're like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, that sounds great, but what title are you going for? And What, what are you going to wear to the ring today? And are you, you need to get a vest. You need to wear this. And it's like those kind of things, <laughs> you know, I, I kind of felt like, okay, a vest is not going to sell me as a badass. Nope. A pair of tights is going to sell me as a badass. Not, nope. even, a, not, not even a four- or five-week promo set is going to sell me as a badass. What's going to sell me as a badass is me putting foot to ask constantly, and it yeah, doesn't matter I if agree. I win or lose, you know. But well, that's where you know, you know, wires got crossed, and you know, it worked. It worked out. It, certain people felt that wouldn't work out for me, but they felt it would work out for other guys. So, of course, hey, it well, is what it, it is, man.
1: No, and, and you know, I the the way the way you're describing it and and, and the power to it, I, I feel that. One of the things that's been lost, and, and you may uh, agree or disagree, is the fact that you don't always need to have the good guy win every week. You know, there has to be a little no. bit of chase. There has to be a little bit of of, of, of stake on the line. Your, your reference to the Taz promo was, was, was eloquent in the fact that when it went down, when that situation went down with Shane Douglas, it was Shane Douglas clowning Taz. And yeah. Taz was like, you know, and and that's that's as real as yes, gets. Like, look, man, you're not trying to clown me just because your girl and your and your and the boys are there. It's like I'll whoop your ass, and if you whoop my ass, I'll go home. And yeah, yeah, just go. The, the, the simplicity of that makes for for great storytelling. Same thing with the with just chasing championships. It's like, the, like you were saying, everything is a sense of urgency. It's like why can't you have you know a face or, or a heel you know chase for a little bit and face adversity. It can't always be, you know, oh, you're going to win this week and lose next week and then win the week after. It becomes very formulaic, so I can understand your frustrations for sure.
3: Well, that's that's a lot of things in the back, though. It's like, you know, new ideas are, they're requested, but they're sometimes frowned upon because if you think, if you don't think what the, you know, the mainstream is thinking, then, you know, you're stupid, or you don't understand the business, but it's like I've looked at, I've had guys, you know, agents and people tell me one thing and talk about their matches in the past as being gold, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a very big student of this game. You know, I don't, I'm not one of those guys who ha, I have to sit there, you know, in a, in a you know, circle jerk and, you know, quote my wrestling knowledge, but I study every match. I study everything I want to study because I enjoy wrestling. I don't enjoy wrestling to, you know, talk about it constantly 24 hours a day to every single person I meet. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got, have have, have another life. But I watch their matches to get their info. And I'm like, wait a minute, you just made the same mistake I made. You told me not to do it. You told me you did it this match. So I watched this match, and you're doing the exact same thing that I did. And when I do it, it's wrong. When you do it, it's right. You know? And it's like there's always that transition of in wrestling there's no such thing as you know right or wrong, whatever makes the crowd cheer, whatever makes the crowd react is good, you know, but
2: oh, at the absolutely. same time
3: but at the same time, if the, if, the, if the superior above you says "You're wrong and he's right, then you know you're wrong. <laughs> doesn't matter, you know so yeah,
1: you're, if, at, the, you're at the mercy of everybody else.
3: Exactly, which is, one of, which is one of those things where no matter what job you do, you'll always be at,
1: you know? Yep, until you go out on your own, and, and which, you know, to, I, I know that you've you know you've been on, on other shows and stuff, so I'm not, I'm not going to beat you up about wrestling too much <laughs> because <laughs> I know no, that's that, okay,
2: man. You,
1: that you go all over the place and, and you guys talk about it. I will, I will ask that I, I had heard that you had signed to wrestle in Japan. Have, yeah. you, um, have you started that already, or is that something that's, that's going to be happening soon?
3: Well, actually, I wrestled, uh, I wrestled for an uh, Antonio Noki show um, as a replacement uh, for a friend of mine. Uh, it was a last-minute thing. You know, something actually came up, you know. Um, so I just, you know, took the – I literally flew in from L.A. I landed that morning. Um, I l- literally laid my head down on my bed for about an hour when my phone rang and my agent was like, "Hey, you wanna go to Japan?" and um, I was like, "What?" <laughs> he was like, "When?" He was like, "In about four hours." <laughs> and it was literally like, "Uh, yeah, okay. How much am I getting paid?" All right, that sounds fun. I haven't done I haven't have anything crazy for a while. So I woke up, told my girl. My girl was like, "All right, yeah, go have some fun." You know, how long are you gonna be gone? I was like, "I'll be going for two, three days." She's like, "Go out, get out of here." And then I literally drove to the airport, got on a plane, and was gone. For two three days in Japan, and uh, I t- I tagged with Bobby Lashley uh, nice. again, and it, you know I mean I, lo- I love Japan. Japan is awesome. It was just one a one shot deal. Um, I'm not fully signed with Anoki. It was just a one show thing. Um, so you know I haven't really looked into working anymore in Japan, but I've I- I'm a big fan of New Japan Wrestling. You know, Cause Yeah, I, like I watched time. Yeah, I like that strong style. You know, a lot of a lot of my boys wrestle over there. Albert wrestles over there, you know what I'm saying. Uh, strongman wrestles over there. A lot of the other guys. I like that whole style of New Japan wrestling. And if there's ever anything, anywhere that I would want to wrestle next, it'd probably be, uh, you know, one of the other companies. Because I like Anoki. He's a very, very respectful. He's a legend in my heart. He's a, an innovator of, of uh, mixed martial arts. You know what I'm saying? No matter what the Gracie say. <laughs> you know? So... You know, hey, I was watching. I was watching him fight Ali before I was watching the Gracies roll around. But <laughs> that's just me. But no, uh, that, that, I hear you, man. It, I hear you. It, it, and, yeah, that, I do. Yeah, I think uh, you know. I, I um, I would love. i um, I would love to work for this promotion again, but I don't want to limit myself to just working for one promotion in Japan. You know. Right. I'm open to. I'm open to working to to, to where, wherever I go, and currently right now I'm, I'm not stressing for money, so I'm not really worried about it. I'm just enjoying it. I'm enjoying my life i have a lot of great opportunities coming my way you know i just I just finished my second movie. it was a, a real quick short film, and it was just for me to get some more experience on the camera you know the uh director was a friend of mine's and just put me in this film you know I was like, hey, man, come on do it's like all right, let's go and i was a, i was i had a romantic role, which he was nice. like you know he was like, dude, he was like honest to god every every girl here is Watering over you, and I'm like, well, you know, hey, and well, I go home to my <laughs> girl no and that, man. That's later. Good. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: that's that's very good. Which which leads me to which leads me to something I heard about, and you know, you can you, you can comment on it or not. Um, I heard a little a little bug out there about Youngblood and Brett Ratner and Chapel and you.
3: Yeah. Um, How, yeah, you know what? Honestly, man, it I had, you know what, I've met Brett Rappner two, two times before, and it was not a long conversation, it was very high and bio, like, you know, oh, very nice to meet you, and I was like, man, I got to look familiar, I didn't know who he was, and I was like, oh, that's the guy that made Rush Hour, I love Rush Hour, all right, cool, and then I saw him again, you know, when I was in L.A., real quick, hi, very nice to meet you again, very respectful, and uh, some a fan sent me some information about Youngbloods on my Twitter, and I was like, well, you know, I won't get anybody' hopes up because you know last time I tried to do a Conan, it kind of you know went a little too crazy. And you know uh, actually one uh, Bob Sapp talked to me about it and told me was like, yeah man, wrestling fans got crazy with that. And I was like, I, I kind of know. And so you know the thing with Brett is uh, a fan contacted him on Twitter, showed him a picture of me, then he contacted me and let me know that when an auditions available you know, I got a shot at the, at at a at a role, you know what I'm saying? So I thought it was really cool. That, but that'd be yeah. a solid
1: role for you, man. I've I you know, as a as a comic fan, which, you know, I, I know you're doing a comic also which I which I wanted to talk to you about. It was it was good to see that. I'm like, you know, that's that's some really good casting because you know what it is, they're not uh you know, they're not that many big guys out there to pull off that role. You know, there's there's the staple big guys that they get, you know, Vin yeah. or or Michael Clark Duncan, so for you to be considered for that is good. Not only that, it gives you another avenue to get in there because, it, 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 especially for a character like that, if you if you haven't checked out the books,
3: um, he's. the... Uh, I have. I'm I'm a, I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a big young buzz. You know, what, man. I'm actually really sad because the founder of Milestone died this week, and that really yep. saddened me because I I was a big I, I was a big comic book uh, I'm a, I'm 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 still a big comic book nerd. You know what I'm saying? But uh, it's just, you know, it's good to see some of these comics coming to life. The one thing that kind of pissed me off was that a lot of comic book fans blame Brett for the success or the value of X3. You know? And it's like, I'm one of those guys where, you know, that's like somebody blaming, you know, Undertaker for Shawn Michaels' retirement. <laughs>
1: you know, no, no, no I'll tell like... you But I have I have I have issues I have issues with, with that And you know What happens is And, and you can agree with this also Especially yeah. as a comic fan when, when you see something That you're a fan of fan of Brought to life On the silver screen You have certain expectations And you have certain things That you look for And that's just the Hardcore fan in you Sometimes Yeah That blinds you From enjoying a movie I mean I know a lot of people Slick who's in there who, who called you That loathes The X You know the X-Men movies X3 in particular I mean Yeah I, I have I have my, my My reservations about it also the, the only bright side I see Is you know Seeing, seeing X-Men get brought to life But You know not, not everybody's gonna be happy With everybody's work I think That the same could be said With Spider-Man I know that the Spider-Man movies You watch them And it was One was good Two was great Three was shit <laughs> You know it's, it, it, it's just a um, yeah. progression. I mean, with these new X Men flicks, you know, the, what, what do you think with the with the
3: first class dropping? Well, I mean, the first class I think is going to be really cool. Um, I actually was uh, when they started casting for that. I was actually looking into it, but I was still I was still assigned to the company. So uh, a part of me told me, you know, stop right now because <laughs> I know I know no, I'm, I'm serious. Because a part of me told me like, you know, there, there was like there was actually several shows that I was looking into and. Movies over the summertime that uh, I got approached about by friends of mine who, you know, are star characters on TV shows and things like that. And they were like, Oh man, we're doing we're doing this episode. I read the script. I think it'd be perfect. me, you can have a fight scene. I'm like, Yeah, that sounds great. I'm in Florida right now, (laughs) you know, and um, in developmental. They're like, Oh, what the hell is developmental? And I'm like, You know, I had to make a decision. What's more important, LA or wrestling? And I chose wrestling. Hands down, over the, you know, like, and, you know, for seven months, I literally chose wrestling over, uh, my acting career. I chose WWE over my family, and I stayed, and I lived in Florida while my wife and my son stayed and lived, you know, here. You know, and it's just, you know, it's one of those things where, at the end of it all, I never felt like I didn't give my all for everything I wanted to do. So, you know, it's like, I, I mean, I... Well, you know what it is? It's one of those things that I showed myself that I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. And I pro I proved to myself that I tried everything I could and I did everything I was supposed to. You know, but at the end of the day, you know, things have to happen and they have to go which way. You know, I feel that we I feel that I, I'm going to, I'm going a right path. I'm going a really good path right now. I wish everybody good luck on the path they're going. You know, I still talk to all my friends who wrestle. There's not one guy that, you know, doesn't, that can't call me and talk to me about anything. So, you know, it's always a good experience, you know.
1: Well, it, in, in regards to that, and especially with, with, with acting and, and expanding, expanding into acting, one, one thing I liked, and and I, and I saw that you had quoted on your site, is that acting can come easily. I acted in WWE. And not too many people look at it that way, and, it, and, it, and it's a really great quote because you are actually in there for playing a larger-than-life version of yourself and you're conveying a lot of emotion on screen, uh, happiness, sadness. Um, you're expanding your range on comedy. Going into film now like, like you've been going, do you feel that being in front of a crowd like that so often has, has really helped tighten up your game?
3: You know what, man? I honestly feel like it's made me uh, uh, immune to being in front of a camera, which is kind of weird, because I've I've gone to acting classes, you know, um, here and in LA, and you know, every time I go, every time I walk into acting class, you know, I get a kind of a weird vibe from everybody. Like everybody has a sense of they're better than me, right? O- o- automatically, when they see me walk in, they're like, "Oh, it's a big black guy." <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's kind
4: like, of fire, big black guy. And they only know
3: and then like literally I'll, I'll open my mouth and they're like oh Annie's from New York oh my god big black guy from New York watch out hide your purse you know <laughs> but then as soon as it's time for me to perform in front of them you know I'll always leave them you know jaw dropped you know like the majority of people that are like, in my acting classes in LA that I, I would go to every now and then on my improv group you know they'd stand up there and they'd slate And what slate is is like you say your name, uh, your agent that represents you, and something else about yourself. You know what I'm saying? Just so the class can get to know you. And everybody who went up ahead of me, they'd always go. They're like, Oh, my name is Sandra. I'm from Wisconsin. I was an extra on CSI. And then you know, I come there, (laughs) and it's like you know, my name is Shad Gaspard. I'm six foot seven, two hundred sixty pounds, and uh, I'm a former wrestler with WWE. I'm represented by Rick Batsman of CESD, and They'd all look at each other like he's a former what? And then oh, he's a wrestler. Ugh, ugh. And then as soon as they, they the, the teacher would give me a, a scene, a location to improv, and I would do it, they'd all be like, "Holy shit, this guy can actually act!" <laughs> you know? Don't you just hate? Is,
1: don't you just hate being typecast, especially as a as a minority? I mean, not so long ago, I had I had Michael J. White on, and he yeah. he, he he voiced the same thing. He he was saying, and it's funny because that. The, you would think that with the with, with the wealth of opportunities and roles out there, that people would be a lot more open minded. It's two thousand it's two thousand eleven right now. Come on, man. Well, you
3: know, you know, you know, you know, it's funny. Even like, like Mike, Mike's. Uh, I met Mike a lot of times, and we talked about it because I was asking, him, like, man, I want to make this a black actor, but and uh, I told him I said I honestly don't want to just be a black actor. I want right. to be a good actor, and he was like, that's the right mindset because if you go into this wanting to just be a black actor. You're always gonna fail because nobody comes to say, "Man, I want to be a good white actor." <laughs> you well, know what I'm saying? You
4: just want to be a they good say, actor. Period. A good,
3: w- exactly. Period. And so, you know, I've like uh, my acting coach, Howard Fine. He literally had to curve my accent away from it to where I read stuff, and I would read and I put my New York flavor on it. You know? Of course. And he's like, he's like, "Is that what's on the paper?" I'm like, "Yeah, it is." He's like, "No, it's not. That's what you hear from, when you're from New York because he's from New York." And it's like I've literally tried to curve myself in becoming not just an aggressive guy, a big guy, or an intimidating guy, but somebody that you can actually have a conversation with and be like, man, I understood every word he said, and he sounded intelligent, romantic, you know, deep, intimidating. He can show a range of emotions and not just be, you know, they have my wife. So.
1: Yeah, you don't want to. You want to. You want to come off as. As, elo- as eloquent and suave, but you and, and I know, and I know, you know, you want to you want to keep a little swag about you when, when, when you're doing stuff. It's it, it's hard, and and you know, it, it's it's a it's a hard line of work, especially, it, you know, especially for, for minority actors because it's you know you're gonna play gang member B this week, and it's like no, that's not what I want to do. It, you know it was it's like, like I had said, you know, in, in talking to Mike, because I as a fan, I spoke to him as a fan, and then I had to get a grip and talked to him as, as, as a professional, and I was like, he's like, you know, I can't do martial arts flicks forever. You know, there has to be other yeah. stuff to do. And, and, and the way you're, you're describing it, you're, you're preparing yourself so you don't have to do, you know, sword and sandal flicks or action flicks. Like, you want to be diverse and you want to be in, 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 mul- in a multitude of roles, which is, which is great, man, and it's great preparation. So definitely I got to commend you for, for thinking ahead, man. Because you don't, you uh, don't want to be gang member B.
3: <laughs> well, you, you know, you know what? I can't, I can't even take the credit for it, man. Because uh, when I started, that's what I was gearing towards. I was like, yo, if I be the hard, I'm gonna be the hardest, toughest thug because I'm a real thug. I have a real criminal record, and the people in Hollywood are gonna be impressed by that. And I'm, a, <laughs> I'm real I'm real that. And I was like, yo, and I, I saw Dwayne, like uh, uh, Dwayne the Rock, he talked to me. And I was like, Dwayne, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna be hard, I'm gonna be tough. And he was like, get your big ass down. <laughs> and we need to talk. No, that's great, bad black man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it was like literally, he sat me down and he talked to me, and he gave me advice, and he opened my eyes to, you know, what made him successful to help me make myself successful. And the things that the advice that he gave me was really eye opening because it was things I would never have thought of. And it's like the small little things, you know, that people use to manipulate, you know, everyone in, in in any industry, you know, and hold them back. So he's got he's I've I've really taken his advice to heart and become overly prepared, you know, for the next you know five six years I'm gonna spend in Hollywood, you know, trying to make it as an actor and you know hopefully becoming a a uh, superstar. So
1: Well you know. The, the, no, there's no, there's no guy who could give you greater advice than him, especially making that transition. Because one, you know, don't get me wrong, and, I, and I'll be a hundred percent real with you. I clown the shit out of him when he made some of those Disney flicks, it, just because. Oh, yeah. but, but, but I understood the rationale in showing that you have a diverse range. I mean, Vin Diesel did it, Stallone has done it, Schwarzenegger's done it, and. It helps round you out as an actor, so I understood it. Don't get me wrong, I, I, I clowned You know, I clowned him for the Tooth Fairy, and you know, Cena clowned him for the Tooth Fairy this week. But I understood the logic in that. And and look at him now. I mean, you know, he did fast, and then he came right back. Boom, he did faster than he did Fast Five. So so Dude, I, I, I,
3: I, I, I I I honestly I honestly because I auditioned for Faster, and he even told me he was like, okay, this role is not for you because the guy has to be older. And I was like, all right, I still understand. He's like, okay, now this is why, this is, what, this is what you need to do. And we talked about it, like we, like why this was better, for, why this was, wasn't good for me and why this was better for me. And so I understood, you know, but it's like when I watched it faster, I understood even more that he actually saved me from, you know, embarrassing myself on a screen, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because there's, something, there's some things that you don't realize when you just want to make it you just yep. when you do, when you when you just you, get you blinded just want by the candy hunger. exactly when you just want the candy you don't care that it's laced with with uh with with poison you know what i'm saying right. <laughs> you are just like oh, oh man right, give me true. that candy you know what i'm saying and and it really was a, it was really a smart thing you know for me to listen to him and take his advice and understand why i would go for certain roles and why i should never ever go for other roles cuz it's been roles that my agent has put me out for and I've read the script, i read the sides, and I was like, oh, man, this is a good role for that guy. <laughs> but for me, it's going to make me, it's going to typecast me into this role for the rest of my life. Do I want that? It's a payday, but at what cost? You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it's like, it's like there's money, but then there's what comes with the money, and which leads me to ask, what was the worst role you've been given?
3: Uh, that, that you read,
1: and you were just like,
3: "Oh, this is bullshit." <laughs> you know what? I really haven't read any any of the worst roles I've been given. I think, like, I I, I read for Men in Black, uh, the one that's coming out right now, and they didn't want anybody from New York with a New York accent, and I, uh, you know, it even though it's in New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> they're like, they like, can you do? Okay. they like, oh, can you do an English accent or a British accent? I was like, nope, <laughs> but I can do a gay one. Nah. I can do this, and so, you know, I did a I did I did myself as an alien boss that was gay, and people they, they they rolled laughing about it, but it actually impressed them. They were like, okay, it's too funny, and we need you to be intimidating. I was like, well, okay, so I did it in my regular New York accent, and they were like, now you're too intimidating because <laughs> like I don't think you're an alien. I think you're a kid from. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, Martin Projects is gonna kill me right now and I was like, Well, you asked for it <laughs> So <laughs> That's what it's you like, wanted Exactly, so it's like, you know, I don't I, I I realize that every role isn't for me. And it it's it's hard for people to do that, you know, to realize that they can't be every single every single every single thing they on screen. Every role isn't meant for you, every role isn't your big opportunity, every role isn't your big break. The movie I just did, uh, Petunia, with Thor Birch, you know, uh, I got casted as a bouncer. And I was okay with that because I read the lines for the bouncer, and I didn't come across as a bouncer. And right. when we got on set, I literally changed, like, the director gave me the freedom, which is a blessing, by the way, to say my own lines, to change my lines, to do whatever I wanted. And after 40 minutes of takes, he was like, dude, that was awesome. It's not, a, this, he's like, I didn't even, he's like, you you said things Funnier and more hilarious than I would ever imagine, you know. So that's some awesome
1: stuff, man. That that, that creative freedom helps too because it gets it it, it tells pe- it tells people, especially what what you know, casting directors as well. It tells people that you can you can think on the fly and be creative at a moment's notice. You know, some some guys are just used to reading off just paper, like, hey, I want you to do this, and you know, you read the paper, you memorize it, you do it. You know, it's very robotic. But you adding that that extra that extra bit of uh, of you know just just freedom to it definitely helps. So that so it's good that they did that for you, man. That's really awesome.
3: Well, you know, it's one of the things like my, my boy uh, is uh, Jordan Yelavine. He's a producer, and I have to thank him for everything because he honestly saw my talent and believed in it more than even I did. You know, like I was telling him, I'm not ready for a lot of these things, and he's like, No, man, you're more than ready, because I, when, I, when I come into situations, I was always taught that, you know, the guy across from me is the most deadliest fighter in the world, so I need to treat him as such, you know? Right. And coming into this acting thing, I've literally gone with the, you know, overall emotion that everybody is 10,000 times better than me, and they're going to see me and realize I do not know what the hell I'm doing <laughs> right away. So I need to be humble and come in, and everything i have going to do, they're like, man, how long have you been doing this? I'm like, uh, I've only been doing this for uh, this is my first film, and they're like, really? This your first film? Like, yes, this is my first film. I'm just kind of nervous. They're like, man, you're good. Excuse me, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> and like I'm like people that like people that I actually am, I'm scared of, and I think are great actors. I look at their IMDb pages, and my resume is actually higher than theirs, you know. And I'm getting offers more than they are, and I think they're better actors than me. And I'm being told, yeah, they're they have a they're they're better actors than you, but you have an X factor that we can't teach. You know, sometimes you some, some things you. can't be taught. Exactly. So I was, so I, I take it I take it as a huge blessing, and I just try to keep up with it. You know what I mean?
1: Um, you know, hearing you talk about it like that, is you know, it, it's very it's very encouraging, especially because you see a lot of guys, they leave, and they kind of just fade to black, and you don't really see them, or maybe they'll pop up once in a while for a quick payday. But, you know, your humbleness in regards to it is, is great, man. It's very refreshing. Like, you're not there like, you know, the company cut me, or well, I quit, and, you know, fuck those oh. guys. Nope. <laughs> you're like, look, you're like, you know, this is the hand I got dealt. And you know what it is? Like you, like you said earlier, I put acting on hold to do this, and you know what just happened? Yeah. They opened the door for you to go and act. So, you know, now now you got to walk through it and, and do your thing. So it's it's very you know it's very empowering to hear that. You know, especially reading your background and seeing you know a lot, a lot of the hardship, a lot of the stuff you went through, and you know, just it, it's a good payoff, man. And I you know it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. I mean, you know, I know that you you, you fought a lot, so so I can understand the, that that people get. Get get a little pet when you walk in the room just because you did a lot of
2: <laughs> you know, a lot of
1: real fighting and and you know the wrestling stigma is there plus you know you did you did a little uh, some some bodyguard work which which I read about also so you
3: you've been involved it's, in it's, a lot it's, of stuff It's on one of, it's, one of those, it's, one, it's one of those things where, like I I just did a screen testing and um, it was really uh, inspiring because I got to see myself on camera for the first time like really close up I mean I've never I didn't I didn't like to watch my matches. Uh, like my backseat promos as much and I, I, was, I was one of those guys that I'd watch my match and I'd critique it even harder than anybody else would so I just try to like watch it the first time and then I wouldn't watch it after that but it was really weird to me because like even uh, my boy who was with me at the screen test he said he was like uh, Beast man that's not you on camera and I was like what do you mean he was like I've been watching you on TV for the last few years and I've never seen this guy on camera and I was like, that's because that's, that's that that guy is the character that they didn't want to play. It's like, yeah, this guy is charming and charismatic, and the other guy is a monster. This guy this guy makes money, the other guy doesn't. And I really didn't understand what he meant until like I had to like watch you know the screen testing like four or five times with the editor. And I was like, man, thank you very much. I was like, you really you know captured me in a, in a different light. You know what I'm saying? So.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I don't, I don't, I try not to, when I edit these shows to put it, to put them on the web, um, you know, after they're done live, I try not to listen to them either because I'm not used to the sound of my own voice. So, so I'm glad I'm not the only one, I'm glad I'm not the only one that hears it or sees it and becomes your own worst critic.
3: Well, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where, you know, we're like, if if you can't be your own worst critic, then you're going to take everybody else's word. And then once you start taking other people's words and their opinions, you know, you start shitting on your own word. You know what I'm saying? So it's like,
2: That's right. I'd
3: rather, I'd, ra- I'd, ra- I'd, would rather, I'd rather hear the bad things out of out of my head the first time out, and then leave it alone and not dwell too deep into it. You know what I'm saying? So oh,
1: absolutely, I, I, I understand you 100% on that. <laughs> I understand uh, you 100% on that. But, um, I and I, and I did want to backtrack a little bit and, and ask you a little bit about. Assassin and Son. I know that you're working on it with uh... with Mark Capani who I know you know who he was as a performer. <laughs> um, <laughs> very controversial. Very controversial as a performer when he when he was around. But um... how did you guys end up partnering up on this project?
3: Well, uh, me and Mark have been you know friends since since OVW. You know, actually, I remember when we first met each other. You know, saying uh... it was kind of weird because Mark's a standoffish guy and I am a standoffish guy. And so we both were locked outside the building. You know, we got there at the same time, and we just, you know, kind of didn't say anything for like five minutes, and then we just started talking. And about an hour later, we realized that practice was canceled. (laughs) And we were the only guys who didn't get the text message, so we hung out. And we've been friends for like the last nine years. I'm sorry, eight years now. So uh, we've always been close, and um, it came a point to where I was on the road, and he had just uh, left the company, and he was going down a path that was very familiar in our business, and uh, rather than watch my friend, you know, slowly destroy himself, uh, I I offered him, you know, a deal. I gave him a script that I wrote, and he read it, and he laughed at me and said it was shit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like I was, like, I was like, I was like, yeah, no, no, no. Because uh, I'm sorry. And, and our friends, our friends, we like we don't. We're not nice to each other. We're mean to each other. All of us. We don't compliment uh, each other. Like I went overseas and I got. I have a shredded six pack right now. And I went to Bobby Lashley. I was like, Bobby, look at the abs. He's like, man, you look bloated. Are you all right? I was like, what? <laughs> and I and I swear to God, the entire time in Japan, I didn't want to eat because I felt bloated. <laughs> because he's an a hole. <laughs> That's how we all are. Nice and psychological. But, um, exactly. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, so, like, you know, I, I gave Mark, I said, Mark, I knew he was in L- L.A. working as a writer and actor. And I was like, okay, well, if it sucks so bad, why don't you help me write it? And whatever money we make from it we will split down the middle 50-50. And he was like, all right, I like the idea, so let's do it. And so we started writing it together, and then stipulations started coming in. I was like, you know, if we write this together, then you can't do this, you can't do that. And to him, it was me trying to control his life, but at the same time, he knew what I was doing. He knew I was being a, I was being a friend, and I was giving him an outlet for his habit. So, you know what I'm saying? So he found, you know, he didn't need to do anything else. And if he focused on the writing, he felt more confident and better about himself rather than feeling depressed. And so we came out with a really good screenplay. And uh, after shopping it around for about a year or two, and we had several offers, but the offers included stipulations as in... Me dropping Mark from the credits, and you know, uh, me taking sole credit of the property and then optioning it off to uh, uh, other companies, and I was like, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to have nothing to do with that because uh, I'm from Brooklyn, and where I'm from, 2425 Notion Ave, you know, saying your word is your bond, and That's if you tell right. your brother you're gonna, if you tell your brother you're gonna hold him down, and you're gonna be there for him, and the dollar bill starts shining. And you change your word, then you're a sucker and you're a pussy. And I wasn't—I was gonna be that guy, so I couldn't drop. I didn't drop him. We lost out on a couple of option deals. I told Mark it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Uh, Later, I was approached by my boy Jason Elliott, and from uh, Line Comics. He read the script. He he put it to his boy uh, Jay Savage, and they were like, "Let's make into a graphic novel." And I was like, "Cool." So we we just finished book one. And uh, it's going on. It's book book two is starting right now. The artist is starting on book two, but book one should come out around May or April. Right now, it's, it's up to Diamond, the uh, distributor, to decide. So. Yep.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely keep me keep me in the loop for that, man, because I definitely would uh, would want to review it for the site or, or um, you know, discuss it discuss I, it on the site.
3: I actually I actually just uh, saw the uh, preview video for it and. It's. I. I even told the. I told the guys that did it. I was like, it's. It's amazing, man. You know, because I'm seeing. Oh, the, awesome. Things. I'm seeing the words that we put. Put down on paper come to life, and it's literally amazing, what they can do, with video editing. You know, so I. I was like, it's awesomely cool. So. I'm happy with it.
1: Well, the the the, the vision for this. Are, are you looking to go? Animated with it are you looking to just keep a graphic novel or is it something that you see uh, growing into, you know, a, a feature film? Like, like what direction do you guys have with it? Cause I was reading, I was like, I was like, wow, that's a, that's a really cool concept with the, with the horsemen. You know, I really like the way you guys laid that out. So I looked at it um, and, and even the art style, I'm like, wow, this would make like a really good, um, anime, like Afro samurai style. When I looked at yeah, it, I was like, wow, that would, that would really rock.
3: You know, it's funny. Um, uh... Bob Sapp, one of my good friends, man, loving to death, is an awesome brother, Bob. And um he actually put me in contact with a friend of his, uh, uh Jace Hall. And um, you know, I was trying to see if Jace Hall wanted to read it and mm-hmm. option it, but unfortunately he like he's the uh, producer of the show V. Yep, I know I know Jace you
1: know, Hall, the boy yeah
3: yeah, I, and, I, and like, you know, I, uh, I tried to get him to read it, and he was like, you know, I can't right now. I have to, you know, we have too many projects on our table right now. So, you know, it's like we want to option it as a movie, and it's funny because the entire cast that we'd option it for and we'd get to play the roles of the majority of the characters are all people that I know, and they're all top celebrities in L.A. And it's like, you know, people are always like, oh, man, because, like, like, the first first things we heard with the script was Man, we, you, you got to make this guy smaller, because who are you gonna find to be a seven foot giant with muscles? I'm like, I know,
2: I know, I know about
3: twenty. I know, I, I'm a pro wrestler. I know twenty guys, you know, in my phone from A to A to N that are seven feet, three hundred pounds. <laughs> you know, you and know. I was like, okay, well, who are you gonna find? You gotta find a really good leading man who can fight. Dude, I was like, sh- I have uh, guys on True Blood. I have guys on freaking NBC, ABC, CBS shows that are all. Close friends of mine's who I can call right now, and they'll be like, "Hell yeah, I'll do that movie," you know. So <laughs> it, it it's one of those things where we're hoping to shop it around and get the right producer who can see the vision of it, you know. what I'm saying because of, because the story itself, it's badass. You know, this isn't it's not P, it's, it's, and it's in, it's in no way a PG storyline.
2: No, nope, not at all. I read those, all of it. Right,
3: yeah. Yeah, yeah. Where it goes, it doesn't go anywhere pretty, <laughs> you
0: know. So,
1: I really, I really, I really am interested in seeing it definitely pan out. Like I said, at, at least in my eyes, it, it it would make it would make a really cool animated flick. Yeah, but but keeping yeah. the same vision, keeping the same vision you said, because at least from an animation standpoint, and this is just you know me sharing my my personal opinion, that you can you can work out. All those angles, with with minimal overhead. You know, it's like all right, the guy's seven feet tall, but it oh, yeah. doesn't matter. It's being drawn. You know, it's 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 the voice, yeah. it's the voice work that counts at that point. I think that would be a great project for that. But hey, mm-hmm. man, if it goes if it goes full feature, that's kudos to you, dude.
3: <laughs> oh, man, yeah, because uh, I, I mean, like anybody, Ab- Ab- like anybody who's read it, they're like, oh yeah. So you're Brad, like even the uh, uh, Ezekiel Jackson, Big Zeke. When he when he when he read the script the first time, he was like, uh, "Yeah, you're gonna need to make Braddock a little bit shorter so I can play that role." I was like, "Nah, man, that's my role." <laughs> you know, he was like, "That's he's like, man, screw you." Oh, okay, how about you make the guy Brock a black guy so I can play that role because this is cool. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But it's that's like you know. Funny. Well, like like who's read anybody who's read the script of the comic, John Morrison. You know, uh, Vince McMahon. You know, they've already. Wow, you let
1: Vince read that man. That's 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 boldly, man. you know
3: he Well, you know man. what it was. I I I, I presented it to Vince, and Vince was actually very cool about it. We were on a flight back from Iraq, and I presented it to him. You know, professionally and always on a reel. And he was like, "Yo, he, he Vince has always been a really good guy towards me. I've I've I have never ever had anything bad to say about Vince because Vince is a man." You know, there's one thing about Vince. Is Vince McMahon is a man's man. You know, he's the kind of man that will look you in the face and you know tell you, I don't like you. What you want to do? I don't care how old I am. Step. You know.
1: Yeah, you can have the so things I, I, I
3: always respect. <laughs> I always respected. I always. I always respected it about him. You know, and I presented to him. He read it on the flight to Iraq and on our flight back from Iraq. He told me his opinion of it. Said he, li- he liked it a lot. But the only problem was that Mark that Mark was attached to it, you know, and he kind of wanted me to separate myself from him, and mm. you know, again, Love I'm a New Yorker. I, yeah, Love again, I'm a New Yorker, and there's something in the water. It's called fucking, right. it. and when we, and when we drink it, <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. Oh, you're not and kidding. I told him, yeah, I told him. I said I, I let him know. I let him know straight up. I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I can't detach myself from him, you know, because because loyalty comes first, and a lot of people have told me that was a dumb move to make but in his <laughs> eyes that was a man's move to make and he's always respected right. me for it and he's never held it against me so
1: and that, dude that's that's that that right there is is, is a true friendship a, a, a true friend will will be the dude you call at 3 a.m. that has to hide a body so <laughs> exactly but, <laughs> hey hey you know and, and and you you took you took the L so to speak but you did it you did it on your two feet. And and you know what? It makes you better for it because when it finally comes together the way it's supposed to be, people can look back and be like, you know, we tried to get him to separate himself, to go this way, to go that way, and he just didn't do it, man. And you know, you can call it stubbornness, you can call it loyalty, you can call it whatever. You know what it is? It's it's a it's a mark of true friendship because that's the only way you're gonna you're gonna yeah. succeed is if if you work together as a cohesive unit because what you know, the success hinges on both of you, not
3: one of you. Well, you know that's and, and that's that comes to you know how we were brought up in OVW. You know, we were brought up to not back down. You know, it's it's a more common thing lately now to where uh, you know guys don't they don't stand up for themselves to the office. It's not us no. versus the office. It's it's it's, 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 it's oh, 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 I'm I'm a good boy. I, I I do everything right. And, you know, it's like, oh, go to your room. We're, we're on a European tour. I'm in my room. I'm being quiet. Can I get a push? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's That's like, terrible. you know, I, w- I was never that guy. I was the guy that is like, yeah, you hear Chad threw up on John Cena and anything on the bus? Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, he's an idiot. Yeah, I'm an idiot. But I had a good time. And I have, the, I have that memory of having a good time. You have a memory of your hotel room. You know, three o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning, I'm walking around Germany with you know four German dudes <laughs> who are at the hotel for a conference, and some hot chick who's just trying to you know sleep with me, and I'm like, get away from me, <laughs> like nine, nine to nine, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I have that experience while you have your hotel room and you're just sitting there, you know, talking to your buddy about. Remember you know that match that Shawn Michaels had in nineteen 19- uh, in nineteen eighty nine. That was a good match. The like, oh, come on, man, live life. You it's know? true.
1: You can't. You can't. You can't be business twenty four seven. Which, which you know, it was. It, it's funny you referenced the Iraq tour because I was going to ask you, and, and you know, I never, I've, I, haven't had the opportunity to really, you, you know, ask somebody who was recently active with the roster. But in being, in being involved in going to Iraq, how was that experience? And you know, how much. How much secrecy had to go into planning those trips, especially with the hostile climate that was that was going on over there?
3: Man, to be totally honest with you, I have no idea how much secrecy goes into it. But I do know that when you're over there, you find new respect for not the politics of this country, but the people of this country in general. I met a little girl over there who was nothing but five foot four, five foot three, had a singing voice that you know, was just amazingly beautiful. And this girl walked around with a gun that was about half the size of me. She's on the front line, and she's putting her life on the line, you know, not to get a music contract, not to survive on an island, you know what I'm saying, not to win love on a TV show. She's putting her life on the line to feed her family and herself and to protect this country. And you see things like that, and it makes you appreciate what you have, you know. My father was a military guy, and he went to, when he came to this country. He got a citizenship, which is a, it's a Commonwealthian thing, you know. They come to you come from the islands to New York, and then you join the military and you get citizenship, you know. Yep. And he went to the military, and he always told me about that, and I always had respect for soldiers, you know. But it's like when you until you go over there you really don't understand the hardships that our soldiers put themselves through just to protect us and just to protect each other, you know? Yep, you don't you're know the, about like, the shit until
1: you're in the shit.
3: <laughs> exactly. Like, when you're on the front line and people are shooting at you, you'll listen to the guy next to you and say, Hey, are you Republican or Democrat? hit. <laughs> ah, I can't fire with you. I can't fire with you. Are you gay? Or are you straight? <laughs> I'm gay It's a brick. <laughs> oh man, you know what? I'll move over here. Okay, don't cover me. Don't cover me because you gay. Nah, it don't. It don't matter, man. When you're when you, when when the shit hits the fan and people are shooting at you, all that BS goes out the window. No, you care about survival. You know, That's right? There are way more important. There are way more important things in life.
1: Yeah, those those trips you guys made, you know, they were, and, and, and you know, just I I felt that the that the the specials they gave on NBC and USA never gave it justice. Like, you know, they always painted the pretty picture, but I know that you guys like yo sleep in this tent, put on this flight jacket. Oh, there's more to fire. Hide here.
3: Oh uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, man, there was a couple of times, uh, you know, we got in a couple of situations I c- really can't talk about, but. You know, it's just I, I I saw it as I'm dealing with this for one week. They're dealing with this for six to seven months, going home, then coming back to this and dealing with it for another six to seven months. You know, and it's unbelievable to me that you know the survival of our soldiers and the, you know dexterity of them is amazing to me because I don't I don't like. I don't think I can. I could do it. It's a
1: huge undertaking. It's a huge undertaking. You know, and you know, I've seen a lot of a lot of wrestlers, You know, they'll, they'll go on TV and they'll be like, you know, we come out here to entertain them, but you know, they're protecting our freedoms. You know, the 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 the, the hallmark moment, but yeah. there's more to the hallmark moment than than those you know those three seconds of film. You know, there, there, there's people getting shot. There's things getting blown up and you're there in the thick of it as an entertainer. And it's like, I can get snuffed out tomorrow just for being here to entertain. These guys can get snuffed out going to the bathroom in the next five minutes.
3: And, you know, it's a a weird thing because when you think of the military soldier, you think of a guy who's my size, with my muscle definition, standing there on the front line, jacked, ready to go, talking about, yo, what's up? And it's not that. It's a kid. (laughs) Who just graduated high school, who barely got his dick wet, you know? It's a girl a, who just had a baby. Crazy. It's a girl who just who, who just had a baby and had to drop out of college because she couldn't pay for it, and now she's, you know, in the military just so she can provide for her daughter, provide an education for herself, you know, and make it. And it's 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 amazing that we used to be the superpower in the world we used to be the smartest and the most innovating country in the world now we're not even in the top 10 we're not nope. even in the top 20 we're down to like, we're we're down in the top you know 25 to 30 you know but we're so confident in ourselves for the wrong reasons you know so well
1: we've become soft
3: that's what it is man yeah. we've
1: become soft i mean we 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 can sit here you and i and reminisce about growing up and looking at the new gener- the, the, the last two generations, and make some they some pampered motherfuckers, you know.
3: That's how old the, that, you know what man. That's the sad thing is, that's how old we are now. <laughs> but you know, what, you, yep. know what, you know what, you know what, I always say, the generation before always comp- always complains about the generation ahead, you know,
1: because True. I only live, complain because, because they're
3: pampered. We, we <laughs> well see that that's that's the thing is like yo, we live through the through, like I, we live through the crack era in New York. You know what I'm saying? We lived through the, you know, AIDS academic in America and the world. You know what I'm saying? When it was at its highest. You know, we lived through those those kind of things. What we didn't live through is we didn't live through segregation. We didn't live through, you know what I'm saying, riots and, you know, uh, a real financial crash in the market to where people didn't even have jobs. Not like we don't have jobs now where the the government's going to help you out a little bit. No, 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 no. I mean a real market crash to where nobody had a job, you know what I'm saying, white and black, you know. We didn't live through that. We didn't live through picking cotton. So every generation looks at the, the generation ahead of them, and they always say the same thing. Man, you don't know how lucky you got it. <laughs> <Because laughs> That's true. We, cause, because they lived through it, and it's like no matter what happens, it's always going to be like that. This generation, I guarantee you, Ten years from now, you're going to be hearing these kids talking about, look at these little punks with their hoverboards. They don't know how lucky they got it. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> you know?
1: It, you know, that, that's a, I, had never, I had never given it thought to that extreme, but thinking about it, it's true. It, it's just that my my concern isn't – but uh, my complaint is more so because everybody's not – like you're not hard in the ways of the world. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to, you have to grow up in the hood and, and, you know, dodge crack needles on the way to school and, and dope pushers and the AIDS epidemic. But I just think that nobody – people don't get tested it physically. It's like, you know, you'd rather have – be glued to a keyboard than go play outside, you know, which is – you know, it's a, it's a gripe about showing how, how old I am, but it just helps in terms of just helping us progress forward. Like, you know, that era you know, of physicality. That's, that's-
3: that's that's the one that's like like my family we're my family we're not uh, Native Americans we're not you know we're not original uh, original slaves or anything like that to, 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 to America you know my family my entire family is West Indian you know uh, even my girl my girl she's Bulgarian you know so it's it's like we're we're all from we we're all from different countries and we come to comes came to America like I was born in the states but literally um, a few months after I was born I was back in the islands living you know what I'm saying. So wow. it's like when I you know, when I came to America, you know, New York is in America to me. Because New York is a melting pot of so many different cultures that until you leave it, you don't really see the real America, you know. You don't I really, see New York everything is separated in not by race but by culture. You know, you don't call Italians sure. white, you call Italians Italians. You don't call Jews white, you call Jews Jews. You don't call Puerto Ricans and Mexicans let, you know, saying uh, Latinos, you call them Puerto Ricans, or oh, those are Puerto Ricans, those are Mexicans. That guy is definitely Dominican. You know how he looks a little bit Latin, a little bit black. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's 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 a weird feeling to when you go outside of New York and you see how people separate themselves not by their cultures but by their colors. And then when you go a little further than that, you will see people people separate themselves not by their colors but by their classes. You know. And it goes on and goes on and so forth. I think the major problem right now is we're trying to separate ourselves, you know, into what group we're with, you know. Are you on the left or are you on the right, you know? Are you in the front or are you in the back? Are you for this guy or are you not for that guy? When we need to just classify ourselves as Americans and come up with each other, not, you know, physically but mentally and realize and say to ourselves, you know what, we're losing this war on education. And we need to gain a foothold by putting more investments into our children and not into, and not into, not into war and guns you know
1: well you know it's it's easy, it's easy to be on the offense and be on the defense I mean you know inciting what you were going back through and, and saying you know how you are growing you know you grew up on the islands, I mean even in the islands and, and here there, there's still adversity just the same i mean you know, oh, yeah. if yeah. you came to this, co- you know, if you come to this country and you're like, hey, you know, we're 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 not native here. We came here. There's still, you know, it's still real outside of the world. You know, I'm I'm Puerto Rican. I'm not first generation, but you know, my mother was. Yeah. But you go to Puerto Rico. There's still the hood. There's still the ghetto. There's still people getting getting shot up. It's it's the same thing. I can say, hey, I'm not Native American, you know, because Columbus dragged my ancestors over here. You know that there's slavery and there's bullshit everywhere, and um, exactly, you know it, it shapes who you are. And the way I see it is that you can you can claim you can claim who you are, and then when you get here, you you you're still stuck with the bullshit that you can't say. Oh, it doesn't affect me because I wasn't born here. You know what I'm saying? Like, like think of it like this: the islands. You go there, you enjoyed yourself when you were there growing up, and then you came here and you still, you know, it, there was still the crack era. There was still AIDS. There was still shit going down. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't isolate yourself in another part of the world and not be affected. It's just a different level of bullshit. Like you go to Puerto Rico, it's you know, oh, yeah. the, the, there's poverty over there. There, you know, it, uh, they they don't want to progress forward. I'm sure when when you visited the islands, you're like, damn, why can't you guys move ahead?
3: You know, you know you know you know what it is too it's one of those things where it's like you know every culture has to have their down their their, their every 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 I'm sorry not every culture but every group every um uh, generation has to have their moment where they step up and stop being kids you know what i'm saying I think I think our generation's moment you know what I'm saying was that 9-11 moment because it was right at the peak of you know, you, you're in your 20s or, you're, or you're, a, you're a teenager, you know, and it was one of those things where you've heard of, you know, bad things happening, but you'd never seen anything that devastating yeah. happening right That's outside right. your back door, you know what I'm saying? So it's like that was our generation's moment to step up, and I think we did a pretty decent job, you know, with all circumstances being held in front of us, but it's still not over, you know, for us as a culture. Would step up from that and say, you know what, I really don't want to separate myself from a guy in Ohio just because, you know, I like I I, I want I want health care, and I really don't want to separate myself from a woman in Florida, you know, just because I want you know more Medicare, I want better be, better wages for myself and other people. I think as a, I think as a culture, we all need to come together and just stop arguing with dumb stuff. And
1: realize that oh, yeah, we, we sweat pain. bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, we sweat bullshit. We, You know, we make – it's like I, well, I, I cover video games extensively on this show as well as, you know, wrestling and MMA. And one of the big yeah. gripes I get, you know, that I, that I share on a consistent basis is the fact that people, that, you know, they're quick to, you know, oh, my kid did this because he played this game and it, and it motivated him to do it. And usually I, yeah. I say that, you know, stop letting games raise your kids. And, and, you know, take some, take some command and, hand, and, and handle your business and, and raise your kids right, and none of this would happen. So, you know, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of that, that people are quick to blame something so trivial instead of looking at the big picture of, you know, you want to go and watch, you know, Real Housewives of Atlanta instead of giving your kid a, a small size ass-whooping that may help shape him as a, in the future as a better individual. No, go ahead, go do this. Go, you know, go hang out till 3 a.m. and whatever and, let the chips fall where they may, and then when something goes down, oh, well, you know, it was the music he was listening to, it was the games he was playing. I think we tend to, you know, especially nowadays, people tend to cop out and, and beef about smaller shit. It's, it's the same thing with, with hip-hop culture. It's the same thing. I mean, you know, Paul Mooney um, said the best line, everybody wants to be a nigga but don't want to be a nigga at the same time.
2: No, and exactly. He, and, 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 and
1: he was, he, let me tell you, I heard that And it was the most truest sense of the word Because it's like anything else We embrace things until they become detrimental to us You know, like we, everybody's cool Oh yeah, I'm going to hang my pants off the ass And I'm going to go do this and un, until, you, until a cop stops you Then it's yes sir, yeah. no sir, okay sir You know what I mean? And then we, we blame other things Instead of just looking at that at, at, at the at the bigger picture, so so I understand what you're saying in, in terms of coming together and and handling our business at, at, as as a people. You know, I I can relate to you on that 100 percent because it's easy to make scapegoats out of everything. I'm sure when you were when you were wrestling, you know, you you'd hear, oh, you know, my kid learned this from wrestling. You know, it's your fault. No, it's not. You know, it's your fault yeah. for not watching them. Well, you know, it's one it's one it's
3: one of the things. You know, people. People try to blame wrestling for. People try to blame whatever they can to not take responsibility themselves. And you know, it it is what it is. You know, my thing is, I always just try to you know represent myself portray myself in the fashion that I want to be represented. And for people to realize that I'm a character on a TV show. You know, the real me is nothing like what you see on TV, unless you know me. You know, and even if you know me, then you know you pretty much you pretty much don't have to to ask question. What's, the, what's, what's an act And what's the real thing You know what I'm saying So But Hey man I, I was going to tell you man It's been very good Talking to you guys man um, I, would love continue, yeah, I, I, I was going to tell you I kept, things like I do. I've
1: kept you on Really long So <laughs> I, uh, No it's okay
3: It's, not, but, it's not, not Not even a problem man. Not even a problem I was very happy To be on to be, If I didn't want to be on I'd hang up the phone <laughs> nah, I, I, <laughs> I, I hate you God.
1: man be- Before Before I let you go man Is there, is there any, any Projects you, you want to announce Any shout outs any, any people you want to thank Before I let you go
3: Oh uh, no, nah, man, not really. I got. I mean, I, I I have. I'm I'm right now. I'm really just. I have several movie things. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to going to. I'm going to the Arnold Classic, uh, in about a week or so to watch my boy Dexter Jackson. He's gonna, you know, make history at the Arnold Classic. Yeah, this Dexter year. Jackson is no joke. <laughs> that's my that's my boy. We had lunch while I was in L. A. And you know, again another good brother that gave me some sound advice that I, I you know. I don't know, man. I I, I, I sometimes I sometimes forget. <laughs> I sometimes like I sometimes forget who I am and what I'm capable of drawing to me. And I ha- I need I'm glad I have good friends to remind me and let me know, you know, what uh I what I really possess. You know what I'm saying? It's a real blessing. Cool. So
1: no, it's true. I mean, uh, that, but before I let you go, of course. Um, you can you can follow Shad on his site. It's uh, www.shadthebeastgaspar.com. dot com. He's also Shad Beast on Twitter. Is there anything else? Any any place else that people can keep up with you?
3: Ah uh, man, besides my mama's house, and nowhere else. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. That that you was good. But um, <laughs> listen, I I appreciate you coming
1: on. And and dude, when uh, anything you want to announce, anything you want to promote, you got an open door invitation. And, and from not, not even from one man, door, got- to another, you know.
3: Hey man, if you, if you if you guys if you guys want me on there for anything, man, just you know contact uh let's call my agent and she'll hit me up, let me know what's up, and she'll book me and everything, man. I'm I'm more than, this thing people don't get about me. I'm not the wrestler that's antisocial, you know. I'm more than willing and more than happy to talk and discuss things with anybody, you know. Not because I have nothing to do, but because you know it's the same reason why I answer people on my on my Twitter pages, because yep. if you if you're gonna ask me a question. I'll give you an answer, you know what I'm saying, rather than being a dick and being like, oh, I don't have time. I have to go sit on my bidet, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so but It's like, anyway. you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be real with you as long. I'm always, the reason, that, the reason that people don't understand, like people are like, oh, man, why why, you got, why your fans always chill with you? I was like, because you know why? I'm always real. I don't lie to them. I don't tell them falsehoods. You're never going to hear me preaching or running my mouth about things I don't know about, and I'm never going to judge anybody else on how they live their life or do their thing. You know what I'm saying? I'm always going to be real with my fans. I'm always going to be real with anybody who talks to me. And if you ask me something, I'll give you an honest answer, you know?
1: I appreciate that, man. You know, I I, I got I learned a a whole lot more about you than <clears throat> than, you know, just just what any what any site or any uh amount of notes can teach. So, you know, it, it was a pleasure having you on, bro. And like I said, when uh, yeah. open door.
3: No worries, man. No worries. A lot I, I don't think a lot of those wrestling websites like me because I don't I don't really get the news until like three weeks after I, like nobody ever contacts me to confirm news. So <laughs> Nah, we don't it's we don't sure run like that, so here. you
1: got you got nothing to worry about.
3: <laughs> Alright man. <laughs> Alright man, take care of yourself. Alright, no, no you got too. All
1: right, later. Bye. All right, that was Shad Gaspard. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Shad Beast. Um, he, you can check it on our My Take Radio uh, timeline to find him there. His official website is www.shadthebeastgaspard.com. So, again, definitely want to thank Shad for coming through. We ran the gamut. We talked wrestling. We talked politics. We talked comics. We talked games. It, it was a pleasure having him on. I learned I learned a lot and got some insight into who he is. Just not even as a as a wrestler or as a performer, but as an individual. I'm gonna take a quick commercial break, and when I get back, we're gonna finish up this wrestling. We still got video games. We still got movie news. So stick around. Right after this.
0: I wonder what's on tonight. Even tonight at ten on your local news.
1: I said to Jesus,
4: Jesus, can you save me? This is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling. You. So, Jason, uh, what, what?
3: I mean, what? What are we doing tonight? Tumbling with tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m.
0: BlogTalkRadio.com,
1: Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know, Jason?
0: Jason, are you there?
1: All right, and we're back. Um, right before Shad called in, I was going through Raw, and I wanted to talk about the Elimination Chamber. I'm not going to do a match-by-match, because if you haven't seen Raw already, it replays on, on the Universal channel, and I'm sure you guys know what, what's going on. Um, I'll just give a, a general overview of the whole thing. Uh, Monday Night Raw as a whole was was solid. It wasn't Like anything else, the road to WrestleMania, so there's definitely going to be a lot of crazy stuff going on. Uh, One thing I did want to talk about, of course, was the 221 campaign that came to an end, which, of course, was revealed to be The Undertaker, and at which point The Undertaker came out, and he was interrupted by Triple H. Now, the good thing about this particular exchange was the fact that there was no... There wasn't any necessity for a long, drawn-out promo. It was basically... The Undertaker getting interrupted by Triple H, uh, face-to-face, them looking at the WrestleMania sign, and The Undertaker smirking, walking away, and then doing the throat slash, indicating that Triple H was next. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Triple H came back, no reasoning whatsoever, blah, blah, blah. You know, the typical internet bullshit where people are like, oh, you know, why'd he come back and do this and this and this? But here's, people are missing the obvious. The Undertaker retired his boy. Retired him. You know, the career versus street. He retired his boy. And as such that that's grounds for an instant feud, an instant beef. It was it was really great to see that sort of an exchange that didn't require any any long drawn out promo. It was just a very simple visual exchange that spoke volumes of where the storyline can go. Because it, it's very easy to see that Triple H wants to avenge the loss of Shawn Michaels by beating The Undertaker at WrestleMania. It, it, if you did not see that in the promo, then you don't know wrestling. Now, a couple of things can happen based on that promo. You can do career versus streak, and Triple H can lose and retire, making The Undertaker 19-0 and with the match at WrestleMania next year being 20 at which point I'm certain The Undertaker will retire and probably go in the Hall of Fame. I, I almost feel in my gut that that's where it's going. Uh, Jim Ross mentioned in his blogging on Twitter that that's not the direction they're going, but WWE is notorious for misinformation. Um, I, I don't know what more you can do to add some gravity to that match. Like, You can have a match with The Undertaker and Triple H. It's happened before at WrestleMania, but to have a match involving them with a career on the line would would speak volumes and it would definitely get people interested because there's that that little inkling of doubt, like, will Triple H be the guy to end The Undertaker's streak? 100% on the real, it's not going to happen. The Undertaker will beat Triple H at WrestleMania, but it's in defeat where we wonder what Triple H's future is. Will he continue wrestling? Will he move on to front office like he's been doing for so long? Who knows? I mean, the guy has three kids already. He has three daughters. He's being groomed to handle the, the, the back end of WWE. He's being involved in, in production of the show and looking at talent. So his, his future is very bright any way you slice it. I honestly think that career versus streak would be the best way to go. And not only that, it would make for a, a special WrestleMania, because if Triple H were to lose and retire, it, it, would, it would make it seem like he retired wrestling one of the best. So that's, that's really my, my opinion on the whole situation. Of course, um, the rest of Raw, like I said, was very formulaic. Uh, the main event with Miz and John Cena against Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel for the tag team titles. Cena and Miz won. Uh, the core re- instituted their rematch clause and they won the belts back the same night because John Cena ate a skull crushing finale from the Miz. Overall, like I said, raw was not terrible. Just there were certain parts that were formulaic. The, 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 John Cena promo was definitely very strong as was the return of the undertaker in triple H and the rating definitely showed. We'll see what happens now in the coming weeks leading up to WrestleMania. Um, Regarding the Elimination Chamber, very, very decent. I almost want to say it was a passable pay-per-view. The Kofi Kingston-Alberto Del Rio match that opened things up wasn't something that I really cared about, only because to have your IC champion feuding with your number one contender at least to me seems kind of pointless because there's not going to be any belt on the line. I mean, if you're going to go with Kofi Kingston getting the belt and fighting Del Rio and Del Rio beating Kingston and taking the IC belt, and allowing Del Rio to be a guy to get both championships would, would be huge, but we know that's not going to be the case. I just thought the match was kind of thrown together to keep Del Rio busy leading into WrestleMania. On the SmackDown side of things, the Elimination Chamber for SmackDown was, you know, it, it was it was all right. I mean, you know, Edge was going to retain because we knew that, that was going to be the way they were going to go with it. Um, of course, Del Rio attacked Edge post-match. Christian made his return to attack Del Rio. Uh, rough estimated that Christian should be ready to go to wrestle within the next four weeks. So now you've got Christian involved in the situation with Del Rio. So you can do a couple of things. You can have him feud with Christian a little bit just to keep him occupied until WrestleMania. You can do a triple threat with Edge, Christian, and Alberto Del Rio, which I don't really see them doing, But, you know, they could go that route. Stranger things have happened. From the uh, tag team title side of things, of course, like I said from Raw, and and my notes got messed up, I should have covered Elimination Chamber first. Of course, Kozlov and Morella lost the belts to uh, Ginger Kid and South Africa, Gabriel and Heath Slater. Um, Again, it was really the, the angle with Kozlov and Morella had run its course. Now it's a matter of, where do they go with it now? Do we get a heel turn for Kozlov? Do we make Morella a more legitimate threat? It could go a lot of ways. The WWE Championship match with The Miz and Jerry Lawler was, was actually a very solid match. It was, it was tough to watch because Jerry Lawler was coming into the match with the passing of his mother, which also was referenced by Michael Cole on Raw, which I kind of felt was a little, a little too real for my liking, especially since his mom had been, you It know, hadn't even been a week since she passed, so definitely a lot of emotions were running high. There was even rumors that Lawler was going to win the belt and then lose it on Raw, which, frankly, it wouldn't have hurt. It wouldn't have hurt had they done it, but The Miz needs to be kept strong going to WrestleMania, so I understood why they didn't go that route, and of course, this sets up Lawler versus Michael Cole at WrestleMania, which... It can be very entertaining for what it is. If it's five minutes or so, it should be fine, but a, a very solid match. I mean, the Miz came into his own in, in, in terms of just um, playing, playing the heel to, to, to the limit. And, and Lawler, regardless of age or whatever, the guy is a true class act. He could have definitely phoned it in and said, look, I'm not going to wrestle... Um, you know, since, since my mom passed, and throw the whole main event into uh, disarray, but very, very strong showing from Jerry Lawler, and it, it was a solid match. It wasn't terrible. The Raw Elimination Chamber closed things out. Uh, very, good, uh, very good Elimination Chamber. John Morrison is a psychopath. Um, he did a lot of crazy shit involving the chamber. Um, of course, one of the cells malfunctioned, and CM Punk almost killed himself getting out, but Again, very, very well done. John Cena wins, setting up the inevitable match with the Miz, which odds are either The Rock will be a special guest referee or a special enforcer or something and be involved in some extent, and I can guarantee you one, if not both, of those guys are going to eat a rock bottom. So with that elimination chamber, like I said, most of these pay-per-views leading up to the road to WrestleMania get very... You can almost forecast where they're going to go And this one was no different Raw had the better showing um, I am going to Take another commercial break And when I get back We are going to talk some video games Right after this
0: Ladies and gentlemen The hottest place on the internet For wrestling video games Is of course WGS Radio We got it all News, reviews, Interviews with some of the biggest stars in wrestling today, and yes, even oh
2: my God!
0: the leader of Team Gooch himself, Mick Dirty That's every Wednesday and Saturday night, 7 p.m. Central Time. And of course, for pay-per-views, two hours before every pay-per-view for wrestling. WGS
3: wgsradio We'll see you there.
2: All
1: right, let's talk some video games. Uh, A little bit of 20th Century Fox kind of. Fell out all over the place and um, had to make the save with some Pac-Man to punch up that video game segment. Uh, here we go. First off, WWE All Stars: The Video Game has uh, finally released its official talent roster. They actually have a really solid uh, roster of wrestlers that you can use in this arcade-style WWE game, which I actually am looking very for- look. I'm looking very forward to playing. I've seen a lot of great video for it and it looks very, very enjoyable. It almost takes me back to the WrestleMania arcade game um, in terms of just the overall exaggeration of the characters and the moveset. So from the Legends category, you're going to get Jimmy Snooker, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, The Rock, Ultimate Warrior, Mr. Perfect, Andre the Giant, Bret Hart, Eddie Guerrero, Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake, Macho Man, Roddy Piper, and Sgt. Slaughter. On the superstar side of things, you're going to get The Big Show, CM Punk, Drew McIntyre, John Cena, John Morrison, Sheamus, The Miz, The Undertaker, Edge, Jack Swagger, Kane, Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton, Rey Mysterio, and Triple H. You can also download some wrestlers as well. You're going to get The Big Boss Man, Chris Jericho. You can download Jerry Lawler, Michael Hayes, Mark Henry, R-Truth, The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Ted DiBiase Jr., Dusty Rhodes and Cody Rhodes, as well as Hawk and Animal. So definitely a pretty stacked roster for this game, which should be coming out at the end of March, to be exact. I don't have a date in front of me, um, but definitely keep an eye out for it. I think I actually put a trailer on MyTakeRadio.com. If I didn't, I will be putting one up this week, just so you guys can check it out. For those of you that are fans of Infamous, They've already uh, announced the release date. Sucker Punch announced that Infamous 2 will be available June 7th. And much like I discussed last week, they did confirm the Hero Edition will be available. In addition to that, if you pre-order from Amazon, you'll get a 24k, a 24 karat gold version of Gold of Cole's Amp Weapon. If you pre-order through Best Buy, you're going to get a character skin of Kessler. And if you pre-order through GameStop, you'll get a Telekinetic Lightning Hook Power. And last but not least, Walmart offers an electrocution grenade ability. So that's what you'll be able to pick up if you pre-order Infamous 2, which releases June 7th. In some home front news, which is about a month away from release, they actually started dropping a couple of pre-order bonuses for that game. Um, The best one, though, you're only going to be able to pick up at Best Buy, which you can get a PS3 or a 360 headset. If you pre-order through GameStop, you'll get an 870 Express shotgun, an air recon drone, auto repairability, and a SCAR-L for the game. On the Amazon side of things, you'll get a digital mini-guide, some some avatar outfits for your 360 or PS3, and a $10 credit for a future game, all of which are pretty solid. I would definitely, if you don't have a headset, recommend you pre-order through Best Buy since you get a free one for the PS3 or for the 360. I see Slick said uh, that WWE All-Stars looks too over the top, and that seems to be what they're going for. In, um, in a little bit of what-the-fuck news and just some, some just bullshit, uh, the city of Juarez wants to ban the call of Juarez, the cartel, from being sold in Mexico. The legislators want to ban the game because they think the game makes light of drug violence and will make children grow up with a lack of values. Is it true that there is a serious crime situation which we are not trying to hide, said Ricardo Boone a uh, congressman for, Chihu- for the Chihuahua State. But we also should not expose children to this kind of scenarios so that they are going to grow up with these kind of images and lack of values. First off, banning a game strictly because it depicts your, your country or your state like shit is, is, a, is a foolish way to look at things. The, the, the violence in the game is no different than the violence that the cartels are causing on television and are being shown. People getting decapitated, their heads being left in the middle of the town square, political officials getting killed, people getting shot left and right. This is violence that people are exposed to in Mexico right now. There's no necessity to use a game as a linchpin to Again, just, just hide the flaws of your own government, your own society, and what's going on around you. Every game has a rating system, and any parent that doesn't want their child to play a game should read the ratings and not allow them to purchase it. That's it. The game should be sold regardless what, because it depicts your, your country for what it is? There's fucking drug use, there's murder, and all kinds of shit going on. The news shows the same shit, guys. Get the fuck over it. That's why we have a rating system in place. Reinforce the rating system, and none of this will be going on anyway. It's simple as that. I have to share it with you guys because the fact that a, that a town is complaining about that when there's so many other things to worry about is, is absurd, especially with the drug violence that's going on. You guys are worried about a game instead of curbing drug violence. Nah, your priorities are seriously fucked up. According to computer and video games, Sony is trying to make a PS3 that is hack-proof. The new model is rumored to be deep in development and will allegedly, be ha- will allegedly have a 300-gig hard drive and sell for $300. Uh, there's a rumor going around that they're going to lower the current crop of PS3s down to $275 to move them out so that they can uh, release this brand-new hack-proof PlayStation 3. Um, a price drop isn't a bad thing. I feel that continuously touting that your system is hack-proof is only going to continue to make hackers want to prove you guys wrong. I'm sure that if you make a new, uh, a new system and it's hack-proof, there's no necessity to announce it because what you're going to end up doing is just pissing those guys off and making them want to hack your system anyway. It's simple as that. I mean, it's great that Sony will be doing a price drop, but to do it with the intention of making it hack proof and pretty much throwing it in hackers' faces is inviting them to continue to break up their to break down their system and find new and innovative ways to jailbreak and hack the PlayStation OS. So keep an eye out for that, guys. Possibly a two hundred seventy-five price drop and a hack proof PS3 for three hundred dollars. In some three DS news, they have released uh, some launch t- uh, listing of launch titles, which you'll be able to pick up when the system comes out. Uh, the system is going to feature three first-party games and 12 third-party games. Each of the first-party games has a suggested retail price of $39.99. Uh, from the Nintendo side of things, you're going to get Pilot Wings Resort, Steel Diver, and Nintendo Dogs and Cats. Also, before 2011 ends, you'll be able to pick up Legend of Zelda: um, Ocarina of Time 3D. Star Fox 64 3D, Kid Icarus Uprising, and a new Mario Kart. Those will be coming out before the end of 2011. On the third-party side of things, you're going to get Super Street Fighter 4, The Sims 3, Madden NFL Football, Pro Evolution Soccer, Lego Star Wars, Ridge Racer 3D, Super Monkey Ball, Bust-A-Move Universe, Samurai Warriors Chronicles, Asphalt 3D, Combat of Giants, Rayman 3D, and Ghost Recon Shadow Wars. So those will be the launch titles you'll be able to pick up with your brand new 3DS. If you decided to put your um, Dead Space 2 on the side and it's collecting a little dust, you may want to blow the dust off because there is a new download pack that we'll be releasing uh, March 1st. Uh, It's going to be Dead Space 2 Severed which is going to extend the story of Dead Space 2 with two additional standalone single-player chapters. The pack, is going, the pack is going to revolve around Gabe Weller from Dead Space Extraction. Weller will come with a brand-new security suit and an upgraded pulse rifle. Also in the pack, you're going to get the appearance of the Twitcher from the first Dead Space video game, and that's going to come out March 1st on Xbox Live and PSN. The pack is going to run you $6.99 on PSN, or 560 Microsoft points on Xbox Live. Severed will be available on March 2nd for PSN in Europe. I just got word that Slick is calling in. Let me bring him on real quick. Slick, what's going on, dude? What's up, man? <clears throat> what do you got, brother? Um,
4: I was calling about that 3DS um, launch list. Really not... Really, not feeling the Nintendo launch, which was kind of surprising because usually they'll actually have like a new game that people are really like excited to see come out. And I'm not saying and that no Mario going to bad. Yeah, no Mario. I'm not saying those three games will be bad, but there are three games that most people won't give a shit about.
1: Yeah, like Pilot Wings. Like, like why would you go? With pilot wings over a Mario title. I mean, don't get me wrong; they, they can always rehash a Mario title and throw it out there, which you know defeats the purpose. But your first-party launch titles are severely weak, and especially at $39.99, when you have you know Super Street Fighter 4, Madden, Ridge Racer, you got a, a solid crop of third-party titles already out there that are um, definitely stronger, stronger. In, in, on the release side of things Than their first party offerings
4: I mean the DS When the original Tank came out What you said you just proved What you, what you said is true because That came packed with Super Mario 64
1: Well you know While I have you on the air with that here, Here's something that, that you're gonna you're It's probably gonna get under your skin A little bit and of course the 3DS Drops next month right well, that's not stopping our buddies at Nintendo from releasing a new DSi bundle for Pokemon Black and White. You're going to get a Pokemon Black bundle and a Pokemon White bundle, um, and it's going to be 179 and it's going to have uh, Reshiram or Zekrom on, on their respective handhelds and an exclusive case. And those bundles are dropping March 6th. These can you believe regular, that? These are uh, DSI's and DSI Excel. Uh DSI, it, it looks like it's just regular DSI bundles.
4: Yes, I doesn't can absolutely that, Doesn't that make
1: zero sense?
4: No, it makes a shitload of sense
1: because they're gonna sell like hotcakes. Do you think it's because they want to close out the the inventory they have so that they can just have the 3DS and and phase out the the, the DSI? <laughs> Um,
4: honestly, I don't know. I think literally they're just cashing in on the fact that Pokemon feels like gangbusters. True. Because the thing is that Pokemon always draws out the kids. The kids, you know, go crying and bitching to the parents, and the parents buy them whatever the fuck they want.
2: I want, the, I want
4: the DSR to RAM Okay, whatever.
1: Yeah, but you know what it is? I just feel that this close to... I mean, you're, you're not for nothing, you're making basically brand new DSIs with these designs on them instead of just getting rid of the inventory you have. You see what I'm saying? It's almost like you want to get rid of the DSIs, but yet you're putting more DSIs out there. You know, what's going to stop people... From you know, from that already have a DSi and just buy the Pokemon game, what incentive is there to move this bundle for 179 You see what I'm saying? Like, if you're trying to get rid of the DSi's and you're going to put more of them on the market with a, month, with a month left before the 3DS drops, I'm a little concerned just because it almost feels like they're really trying to beat people over the head because any kid that gets a DSi bundle with the new Pokemon Black and White, the fi- within three weeks, is going to want a 3DS. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's gonna, it's, it, like you're going to have a lot of pissed-off parents.
4: Yes, you will. And guess what Nintendo's going to say? That's your <laughs> problem. Because what you said is right. It's exactly three weeks. Like I kept saying, March is going to be a bookend month for Nintendo. And when you start reading the numbers in April, that's going to prove it, I guarantee you. But basically, this is what Nintendo will do. They've already started airing commercials for Pokemon Black and White. A week before the actual release, they'll start airing um, commercials for the bundles. And they won't start airing the 3DS commercials until a week before the 3DS comes out. And by then, they'll have made. They'll basically have made whatever money they expect to make off of those bundles, because they'll probably make it a limited edition. Because they know, once the 3ds comes out, basically the only people who are going to buy it will be people who say, "Well, that 3ds costs too much, so I'm buying
1: this instead." You know, it's it's. For me, I understand Nintendo's in this, and they're trying to get as much paper as they can, but it it just disturbs me that they're going to, you know, throw these new DSIs into the marketplace, and these same parents, dude, are going to, dude, we're we're in the, you know, our our economy's in the shit, and you want people to drop that 179, and you know the same parents are going to have to buy 3DSs. Like, like, it's yeah, a little fucked up, honestly. Like, why don't you just do a 3DS bundle with Pokemon Black and Pokemon White and really make paper? Like, why why do that?
4: One, because you're right. The economy is not a shitter. They're going to make as much money as they can. Two, they're probably not counting on really big sales of the 3DS until the holiday. And mm. also... One, why to answer that question, why not making a 3DS bundle? Because even though it's going to be their biggest title until something like, un- until the 3DS comes out, and it's going to be still their biggest DS title of the year, regular DS, the fact remains that Pokemon is a DS title and not a 3DS title. Kay. And I was going to mention that the fact that they're going to have Street Fighter at launch is gonna pretty much make up for the fact that they don't have a strong first party title, because the success of Street Fighter IV is gonna move consoles, I believe.
1: You think at this point, though? I mean, there's only so much Street Fighter that you can really put out there. Do you do you honestly think, and you probably do, that that Street Fighter IV is gonna be that 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 title that forces people to to really go out and buy a 3DS? I mean. Honestly, in looking at this complete listing of, uh, of release titles, none of them motivate me to buy a 3DS. Like, if, you, if Kid Icarus was coming out and I was in, in, in the market to purchase a 3DS, that would be a title I'd want to play it for. You know, I'd want to pick it up just to play for, for Kid Icarus or for something of, of that nature. To go with, you know, it's like, you really want me to pick it up for pilot Wings? Are you fucking serious?
4: Well, it's not going to be the killer app, No. But I'm saying it's going to move consoles because, as you know, Street Fighter has a very strong following, and there will be people who pick it up for, for Street Fighter. True. It's, I'm not saying it's going to move a million, a million 3DS, I mean, over the course of a year, maybe. But it's going to move, I would say it's going to move probably more units than any of the other titles you mentioned. Okay.
1: All right. Well, I'll definitely hold you to that when the MPD numbers come out. Because,
4: I mean, you figure the people who who play Street Fighter and play Marvel vs. Capcom, any of those people who can afford it, let's be realistic, will probably get a 3DS and get that Street Fighter.
1: All right. Fair enough.
4: Just because of the fact that it will you know, it, it is both going to be a faithful translation of the original game for a handheld, and basically that makes it better than the iPhone version. True. I, I mean, mean so it's the way that ahead. Now, it only has the original roster of characters, not the Super Street Fighter 4 characters. That's, you know, that's a lot more than what the, the iPhone version has, so you know that's something that's gonna
1: interest a lot of fight um, fans. True. I I just feel that, a, you know, in 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 going back to what I was saying with the DSI, I just feel that if you wanna if you wanna finish off your inventory and close it out, it, it's just I I just felt it was really shitty on Nintendo's part to to drop this bundle. With three weeks' notice when everybody's you know because they risk shooting themselves in the foot because people would just as easily not buy the bundles buy the game and wait for the three d s anyway, and then what then you're stuck with bundles all over the fucking place
4: well it it might bite Nintendo in the ass, but the the honest thing is that if they're smart, they'll make it a limited edition release, one because it's mainly only going to sell for those three weeks before, you know, those two weeks leading up to the the 3DS release. There is the stupid parent factor because even though the 3DS has been marketed, announced, you know, everywhere and everything, you don't really see any ads for it anywhere. Nope, not yet. Parents don't. Parents know that it's there. But parents don't know that it comes out Sunday, March 27th. The only people who know that it's coming out March 27th are the people really who plan to buy it. Or the people like, you know, you and I who talk about video games all the time. Very true. So parents will see the Pokemon bundle on March 6th. They might even think it is the 3DS. Because you remember, DS is in the title, Parents, you know, I hate to say it. I mean, I'm not trying to get to anybody's mother, but when it comes to things like keeping your little whining child shut the fuck up, parents are stupid. <laughs> I can't DS disagree in some respects. DS is in the title. 3DS, DSI. The time they say, oh, this must be that new thing that's supposed to be coming out. Let I me mean, give it to him. It has Pokemon with it. This was this will shut my kid the fuck up. Two weeks later, I don't want to see you yet. What the fuck? I just bought that shit.
1: <laughs> Sad but very true. There are Sad a lot of
4: parents true. just because, you know, like you said, they let shit raise their children. They don't pay attention to what they're buying for their children. They just buy it
1: to shut their kid up.
3: Oh. It's
1: something definitely to keep an eye on come March 27th, that's for sure. And um, actually, you you actually helped me wrap up the video game segment. (laughs)
4: There you go. All right, well, like I said, check those numbers, March 6th and March 27th. Those weeks, right after those dates, Nintendo's making a shitload of money.
1: I oh yeah, see. dude! I, I want to see those MPD numbers so bad come come April because we're gonna we're gonna really find out what kind of damage Nintendo really has done. Cause you figure Pokemon Heart and Soul Silver were fucking remakes; they were in the top ten all year. Yeah, they were in the top ten because I cited them at least four or five times when when we discussed it. So it, it's it's gonna, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting play for sure.
4: Pokemon black and white a brand new Pokemon game the freaking Pokédex goes from 493 to about 650 something that is and true it's a brand new game with you know it's boasting new play styles and everything it's got like real internet connectivity and everything if a rehash is gonna sell that well, a brand new Pokemon
1: game is it's crap. True. Can't argue that, my friend. I cannot argue that. And
4: Nintendo is smart enough to be working with Cartoon Network. They already got the anime going in the black and white storyline. So kids know that shit is coming.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a no it's a no brainer at this point. It's like It's like, you know, it's a license to print money. Basically. Might as well put
4: fucking Pikachu over over freaking, over Jackson's face and shit. (laughs) Amen. On all the money. Put it over all the money
1: because that's where it's going. Yes, indeed. All right, dude. Let me uh, wrap up this movie segment. I think we have 30, 35 minutes to go. Yep. All right, man. Hi, brother. Peace. Peace. All right, Slick. Just helped us wrap up the video game segment, so let's talk some movies, shall we? Let's talk some movies and some TV news as well. First off, of course, I've been talking about Andy Whitfield departing from Spartacus uh, due to his battle with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but now it seems that there's going to be another lead role that's going to need to be recast, and that's going to be the role of Navia. Leslie Ann Brent, who played Navia in Spartacus Blood and Sand Season 1 and also in Gods of the Arena, uh, will not be back. And she is actually going to be leaving the show. I don't, they haven't really given for what reason, but now it's a matter of that her role will need to be recast. For those of you that don't know, the character of Navy is actually very important because she is the love interest of the gladiator, Crixus. So her involvement in the story is key and also a linchpin for the second season just because uh, Crixus is embarking on a, on a journey to find her since she was sold after the after the events of season 1 of Spartacus blood and sand so definitely going to be watching this with much interest to see who they put in this role uh because it's a very it, it's it's a pretty big role in the storyline so we'll be keeping an eye out on that in some box office numbers of course we had a 3 day holiday weekend uh the number one film was unknown uh with Liam Neeson I was surprised because I really didn't see a lot of promotion for this movie until about a week or so uh, until about three or four days before it came out, and, you know, it just ended up being number one with $21.8 million. I Am Number Four opened number two. Uh, The movie had a $60 million budget, and it opened with $19.5 million. Gnomeo and Juliet was number three. Just Go With It was number four. Big Mama's House, Like Father, Like Son, was number five. I can't even believe that shit. Uh, Justin Bieber's Never Say Never was six, The King's Speech was seven, The Roommate was eight, The Eagle was nine, it's only made $15 million. Uh, The the film had a uh, $20 million budget, and it had a 59% drop from the previous week. That's that's crazy, $16.9 million worldwide. It should probably break even, but I don't see it trending beyond the $20 million mark. No Strings Attached was number 10, uh, $3.1 million. It's made $66 million total. In some Superman casting news, there were some rumors around, going about of Kevin Costner being involved in the Zack Snyder Superman film. Uh, there was either the possibility of him playing Perry White, Jonathan Kent, Jor-El, or General Sam Lane. According to Latino Review, Kevin Costner's involvement has been confirmed, and he will be playing Jonathan Kent. So Kevin Costner is involved in the in the Zack Snyder Superman film. In a bit in a bit of what the fuck movie news because the movie news are a little light this week. Sony Pictures has bought the film rights to the comic book series Zombies vs Robots. The studio will develop the film through Platinum Dunes and uh, from the series written by Ashley Wood and Chris Rial. The plot of the story is set in the post-apocalyptic world in which the last human in existence is a young girl who is protected from the zombie horde by a team of robots. So another comic book series dragged into Hollywood, and it can either go really, really good or really, really bad. Most comic book adaptations are, are mixed. Uh, there are some that are very true to the source material. Others are not. I think that a film like this, especially um, involving zombies, is going to need to be very violent and you're not going to be able to make this any sort of a PG or kids' fair type of movie, so I definitely think that if they're trying to get a younger audience, they are going to fail with this particular concept. In another bit of of gem movie news, the Farrelly brothers have considered, get this, they're doing a remake of The Three Stooges. Now, of course, in numerous episodes of MTR, I have discussed casting choices for The Three Stooges films, some of which have been better than others. This particular set of casting news is just awful. Rumored at, for, to play the Three Stooges are the following, Justin Timberlake, Johnny Knoxville, and Will Sasso. Bobby Farrelly told the Boston Herald that he and his brother were looking at Knoxville to play Moe, Sasso to play Curly, and Timberlake to play Larry. So take that in, folks. The paper notes though that they were not the only three options. They've also reached out to Woody Harrelson and Larry David as potential Larry candidates and Hank Azaria as Mo. So why 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 are you guys even doing it? Why are you doing it to yourselves? But so most of the movie news this week have been bullshit. But I close out the movie segment and the show with this gem. Warner Brothers is developing a remake of the 1992 flick The Bodyguard, which starred Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. Dan Lin is producing the script by Jeremiah Friedman and Nick Palmer. According to Deadline, and I'm sure you guys are going to love this, The new version is similar, including the love story, but here the bodyguard will be a former Iraq war veteran who gets the job protecting the star as his first gig after leaving the Army. He discovers that the world of Twitter, Google Maps, and TMZ has made access to celebrities easier than ever, making the job more difficult than ever. The goal is to take a young female singer with global appeal and give her the platform that the bodyguard did for Houston. So, yeah. 1992 film, The Bodyguard, getting remade with a modern twist. Recipe for shit. I like what Slick says. Slick posts in the chat that he sees Rihanna playing the Whitney Houston role. And and you know what the sad thing is? I would not even doubt it. And no, Chris Brown is not playing The Bodyguard. (laughs) Jackass. All right. That lovely nugget of movie news actually rounds out the show this week. Um, definitely a a great show. I, I was very glad to speak to Shad this week. My original guest Diana Prince uh, had to reschedule, but we will have her on at a later date next week. I will be joined by MMA video blogger Bloodstain Lane, um, very very controversial personality in the MMA world. Uh, his videos you can look for on YouTube uh, either via Team Takeover or Bloodstained Lane. Needless to say, it's going to be a very interesting show next week, and um, it's probably going to be one for the ages, so definitely tune in for MTR number 81. Um, this new hardware actually sounds really good. I actually played back a little bit of the show just to see how the mic worked, and it is a keeper, and there will be much, many more improvements in the coming weeks. There's also going to be a couple of things on the site over the weekend. Like I said, we got articles from Bronx we got a new Archer article from Slick coming up. We also have Andrea's review of The Cape for this week, which was a two-part episode, and boy, was it a gem. And then pretty much, that's it, folks. Got to throw out a couple of plugs to some of the people that support MTR, BeantownGamer.com, GamerFitNation.com, DualShockers.com, some of our guests, of course, Michael Jai White's website, which is MichaelJaiWhite.com, GamerWave as well, GamerWave.com. Can't forget... Shad Gaspard site, ShadTheBeastGaspard.com. You can look that up. I'm also going to add those links to our site, and you can find those in the links tab later on this evening. Got to also throw a shout-out to the ladies at GirlGamer and GamingAngels.com for supporting MTR. Of course, our content partners, partners, This Week in Wrestling's podcast, and MMAValor.com as well. And, of course, our buddies over at MMAGospel.com. They had Chris Lozano on this week. Uh, You can check them out every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Blog Talk Radio Network, and you can also go to mmagospel.com as well. Got to also thank the VGN crew for supporting MPR. You can get news on all their shows at vgnradio.com, including Don Anderson's Tumbling with Tumbleweed, which you can listen to Tuesdays at 10 p.m. on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Last but not least, 411mania, Got to throw a shout-out to the crew at Film Drunk Always. And that's pretty much it. You have just heard My Take Radio episode 80 for Thursday, February 24th, 2011. If you have any emails, questions, or concerns, and would, or would like to be a guest, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow the show account, My Take Radio, or you can follow my personal account, Akuma25, A-K-U-M-A, the number 25, for my personal account. Head over to our Facebook fan page. If you have not become a fan yet, it's my take, It's Facebook.com slash radio. And also I've gotten a couple of requests uh, for my gamertag info for a couple of games. If you're on Twitter, just shoot me a message. Let me know who you are, and I will DM you my gamertag. And just please, if you do send me a request on PSN or Xbox Live, please do me a favor and let me know who the fuck you are, just because I don't want to clog my... Uh, my friends list with people who I have no idea who they are because it makes things very confusing. So please, if you do that, let me know who you are. And that's going to wrap it up, folks. I will see you guys next week for episode 81. Bloodstain Lane will be my guest. And that's it. Thank you all for listening. Thanks again to Shat Gaspar for being a kick ass guest. I wish him the best of luck with all his upcoming projects. And I'm sure we have not heard the last from him. Catch you guys later. Peace.
2: I'm free.
1: This week's outro will be from OC Remix And it is going to be the Bare Knuckle Blitz from Will Rock And you can get that from the OC Remix album Heroes and Villains On (laughs) ocremix.org